shout out to Girl Scout Cookie Samoas for filling my tummy this episode. Uh huh. Yeah. I can't wait to dig into these. Have you not had any yet? I've had like three or four. I also noticed that you killed about four. I can't. You you pulled out the (laughs) the box and there was like a row presented. I ate the whole row. (laughs) I was looking at Jesse. We're sitting there talking about Hogwarts and everything. And you're just steady eating cookies when I do. Listen, man. I'll, I'll fucking dig in on some. Cookies. You're a little cookie gobbler. Like, I got a whole. I had a whole box of thin mints, and that is almost demolished. But it's been. I've had it for a couple of weeks. Sorry, so I've <laughs> a been a couple hours. I ate, half, <laughs> I ate half a tin of peanut butter pretzels last night. Half a tin. Yeah. <laughs> no, but those are good snacks. They're like oh, they're bite sized the snacks. Yeah. yeah. When they start now. delivering those to caves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you can get them delivered on on. Tyrannosaurus back now. <laughs> Dinosaurs will do it. All right. Yeah. There's, there's no way we could leave what I'm doing right now in. This is me chewing. I cannot yeah, stand Mike it. Yeah, Mike did that last week. I and you could it. hear it just like. Yeah. What? <laughs> Dude, it was driving me fucking nuts. I was listening to the episode. And you just hear. In the fucking background the entire time. It was it was honestly like so fucking obnoxious, but what I mean it's over now. Yeah, so. it's good. But I, I feel I feel we like we won't have any issues this week. <clears throat> uh-huh. Let me get there. I just gotta swallow it. Uh, <laughs> I know that can take you a while. Garrett's yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and sound bite there. <laughs> yeah, mark. And, yep, mark that. <laughs> Yeah, something feels different this week. I I can't put my finger on it, but don't yeah, I don't know what think, it is. It just feels really good. Do you like, think we can get yeah. one more lamp in here? Would that be okay? Uh, do you need a lamp? Do you need? Yeah, a, don't, this, do you need a lamp? I would more. punch it, both of you in the dick <laughs> if a single one of you asked me for a fucking lamp. It's in just this so. Room. It's so gloomy. We have the sunlight streaming in through a window. It's so gloomy in here. I just need a lamp. Yeah, there's too much natural light spreading into this room right now. <laughs> Did we get a dingy, dirty lamp in the corner so that I don't feel like a fucking reptile? <laughs> I feel like I'm getting daylight poisoning right now. Yeah. I just can't. It's, uh, it's, it's too much. It's pretty rough. Dalton, can we get some more manufactured light in here, please? <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, Lighting but I don't know. The- Dude, this, this week feels weird. It's like... Like, even just setting up and starting the podcast with you boys, it just feels like good bonds. Yeah, good vibes you know? all around. I feel like, I feel I like we're breathe. having a good time. No one's really made fun of me that much today. Yeah, I feel like you're great. Hold Hold on, on, thank you. Hang tight. Jesse's got a zinger coming <laughs> yeah. up. Give him, a, give him a couple more Mountain Dews and he'll be in, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For everyone who hasn't figured it out yet, Mike is not here today. His his brood's hatching and he's in hospice care. (laughs) (laughs) And his dick doesn't work. (laughs) Dick doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, they aren't really related issues. Yeah, here, here, here. This time we're having a good time because he's gone <laughs> yeah. and he's not here to defend himself because he's stupid and old. Yeah, yeah he fucking died of old age. <laughs> this is gonna be the best podcast. Yeah, I already fucking love it. I I, I know we're laying into Mike uh, real hard, so let's keep going. Garrett, what do you got to say about him? 
uh, I just I love everything about him. I love his his body, his biceps that are coming in. His body? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I like the scales on it. I was gonna say. I like I like the slime that drips <laughs> that drips off his hatchlings when they when they get all nice and grown. Um, he just really feels like a dad to me, you know, like my father figure. Yeah, abusive. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, how do you feel about, uh, you know, technology and sharing basic information with your friends through oh, like man, a you know, I mean, I'm no share. expert either, but man. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think he might have just like gone through time. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not living in the present. I was watching Jesse use his phone earlier and it was just a, a stone. <laughs> Mike's sitting at home right now. That's my he's, si- he's sick, by the way. He actually feels like shit. Hope he gets better. Anyways, he sucks. I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, no, but uh, I mean, he's don't get me wrong, he's awful, but you know, he's sitting at home right now listening to a podcast or watching Rambo Extended Cut Edition that he downloaded off a of Napster, and he's just sitting there like, Oh, I get it, the computer has a mouse. <laughs> and you can click so now the right click thing makes sense okay i yeah. got it yeah jesus christ dude. it's like that episode of it crowd he's just putting his face up to it hello computer <laughs> hello hello <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a dummy yeah yeah i hate him <laughs> yeah. Listen, if you got any complaints about this episode you know uh, directed to Mike. Yeah, you'll have to <laughs> you'll have to fax him. Directed uh, to Mike. He won't be able to figure out how to fucking open it, yeah. but you can send it to him yeah. anyway. Yeah. Your concerns won't be answered. Fax him or snail mail him. It won't be answered because he can't fucking read. Yeah, he can't read either. You might just have to page him. That might be the best way to reach him. Sorry, I was just. I was He's on that fucking it. stone again. Well, no, I made, I made a thing and I wanted to. Jesse, stop trying to, to light a signal fire in the room and pay attention to Garrett doing Mike's opening. It's going to get dark soon. <laughs> yeah. You don't want it to get dark. That's when they come out. Pretty soon it's going to be dark times outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm honestly waiting on you. No, I'm sorry. I just I, I had a thing you, you wanted to read If for. you could see the look Garrett just gave Jesse in this room. Have we started it yet? Are we yeah, I'm about? recording. Okay, okay. I could cut the section. Well, I just wanted to. Okay, so I had so I so I had an AI write us a commercial, and I wanted to read it to you. He goes. Oh, okay. Let's well, go fun. back to the '90s, a time of fun and good vibes. From classic comedies to captivating crime shows, there's something for everyone on our show. So grab your popcorn and press play now. It'll be an unforgettable night. Rediscover old classics or find out what's new in the 90s movies and TV podcast, 90s Roulette. Oh, that's kind of cool. pretty good, right? Yeah that's... yeah, that's pretty good. Why is the voice bad? Because I was trying to sound like a 90s, I don't know, like voiceover artist. 
That was, that's the best I could do. I'm we'll, sorry. We'll, we'll do something with that. We yeah, can. we'll probably yeah. use a different person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the, I mean, the person we would use isn't here. Anyways. Uh, <clears throat> I, I love that you just like sat up a little bit straighter, did a big... <clears throat> To get like sixty years <laughs> of just depressed throat noises shoved down into your chest so that you can imitate Mike. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, welcome to nineties Roulette. The podcast where we roll the wheel to find out what media is covered from the only decade worth talking about. Does everything so glitterous gold through rose-tinted glasses? Or... No! Yeah, not. I'm Michael, and with me is... I'm Dalton. Who are you people? (laughs) I'm Jesse. And I'm Garrett. And I'm Michael. You just honestly, you've just made me really concerned because that's that's almost exactly what he sounds like, and I think he might be dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he's got something. Um, what I realized from that is that it really does actually, like, if you really think about it, it does sound like Mike's dick doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You hear that, Mike? I, mean, I know you're listening right now. I fucking hate you. He's probably so shitting stupid. blood right now. Oh my god! I hope he saves me some. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so welcome to '90s Roulette. Uh, we're gonna have a fun time. So the way that this show typically works is we take media from the '90s. We got it in some spreadsheets and whatnot, and we roll a random na- random number. Right? We- <laughs> <laughs> you just had a fucking stroke. <laughs> I, I, I'm still coming down from being Mike. Oh my god, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike! Stop the show. We randomly roll for what media we're going to do, be it movies, music videos, or television shows. And this week, uh, we got... uh, What did we get? Hard 8. We got the movie. The movie. Did you say Hardy? Hard 8. Hardy's, the restaurant. (laughs) We got Hard 8. Ice Ice Baby. I'm excited about this Saturday Night Live for our television show. A yeah, very we, special episode. Yeah, very doozy of, of an episode. We picked a great episode. episode. Uh, yeah. So it's the Steven, the the infamous Steven Seagal episode of Saturday Night Live. Um, yeah, so Heart 8, Ice Ice Baby uh, by Vanilla Ice and SNL. So without further ado, let's get into Ice Ice Baby. Dun, 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 Holy dun, dun, dun. shit, was that your... Ma- oh, no. <laughs> Don't worry. This is, it's only, it's only going to go we're gonna, up. We're going to have some fun with this one. Change it. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Nothing melts away the cold like a delicious hot bowl of Campbell's soup. Campbell's makes everything mm-hmm. better. And just to prove his point, Vanilla breaks it down and sings the dings. Ding, 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 diggy, ding, ding. Ding, 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 diggy, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. That's the way theirs goes. Ours goes ding, 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 diggy, ding, ding. Ding, 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 diggy, ding, ding. That little bitty change. It's not the same. Okay. Today, I get my revenge on this song on behalf of myself and everyone out there who hears it and thinks it's under pressure and is pissed off when it's not. So I wrote you guys a little something today. We're going to have fun with this. Okay. Him and all three people. That get mad about 
right. Then you're going to like this. All right. You... Mm. Give me the beatbox, Dalton. Uh, you're doing it. <laughs> there you go. Well, I can't do it and do the lyrics. I don't know it, Jesse. I'm sorry. Lice, lice, baby. Lice, lice, baby. Stop, sack feels heavy. What's the reason scrotum is itchy and I'm not teased and shampoo all up in my pube hair But I can't shake the feeling that there's something still in there Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know Good thing I don't bite, cause I blow to the extreme Use my head like a handle, pay no attention what's scraping your sandal, dick Bum rush, stuff me with the broom, but you won't be cleaning what I'm leaving in your bedroom Fuck me, what you give me is a remedy, but what I'm giving you should probably be a felony Lick it or stick it, I always come to play, but you better watch out, you'll be itchy either way If you dick's a problem, yo I'll solve it, leaving you shook when my crawlies revolve it Lice, slice, maybe Lice, slice, maybe Please tell me there's not another verse. No. <laughs> Thank God. Please stop that scrubbing. <laughs> please stop. Scare it. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, Jesse, what song did you think we were doing, dude? <laughs> Holy shit. That was like a fever dream because I've got Garrett over here just on lock just, just strumming the same thing over and over and over staring off into fucking space that was and beautiful. jesse's over here well just... as soon as it started i was like what is he saying yeah, yeah i was like what the fuck is he saying and i get it is it, you're doing a parody of course and dude just oh i just need to come down <laughs> like i was gonna i was gonna come in on this segment you know we just... can we can stop and you can take a walk around the house. I want to sell the house. I want to I leave. I don't. I did not know that any of this was going to happen. I was going to come into this segment saying how great it is with you boys and how this has been great. I don't know what's different. It's just been really fun and everyone's been good vibes and everyone's having a good time. But yeah, after that, I yeah, I mean, we'll probably stop being friends now. So I, don't... <laughs> I was uh, tricked into this. I was just told to play. And then I feel like I've been coerced into something that I'm I didn't disappointed. consent to. I thought to. you boys would find that hysterical. I, no, I thought you were, you were beautiful. You have a beautiful <laughs> rapping voice. I think that you are handsome. <laughs> I think that you are intelligent. You shouldn't let anyone tell you otherwise. I think those glasses definitely make you look like a normal functioning man who doesn't ever need help opening anything. But well, that would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> the wrapping... Need help opening this segment. Was... <laughs> well, it wasn't supposed to be good. All right, so 92 Lip Podcast. So, wow. as, you can, as you can probably guess, or maybe you can't because that is such a, <laughs> yeah, a beautiful no rendition. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're doing Ice Mike Ice Baby. Mike, Mike will enjoy that. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. What Mike enjoys done. A, 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 a fucking piece of shit wrapped in aluminum foil with a... a picture of a fat doughy guy on it that says oh good hot dog eats 
That's fucking what Mike's laughing at right now, at this moment, sitting in his bed in some stained plaid boxers. That's what he's laughing at in this he moment. Probably and is. that's the man you're relying on to laugh at that. Not he probably stained. is they posting pictures of gross food on Facebook. Yeah, right that's exactly what he's doing right now. <laughs> um yeah, so we're doing Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice, uh, a song that came out in 1990. It is how do we, how do you say it? it's a song that it's catchy. is catchy. It's catchy. It is so 90s, early 90s that it's practically 80s, which makes sense. It was written in the 80s. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Vanilla Ice wrote it. I think I don't know what 88 or something. When... Uh, he was. I I just know he was 16 at the time and. And yeah, I, I look back, and before like, you know, you it's you really want to like hate on it, obviously, right? Because it's goofy. I was listening yeah, to it on the way out. over here, but I was like, oh, it's not too bad. It's not bad, and especially like by comparison, I think back. You know, I think since, I've said my piece. We're now we're we're gonna get <laughs> you said into a lot of pieces. <laughs> we're gonna get into what you got to say, but. But, you know, I think back to, like, when we were 16, and we're, like, creative types or whatever, I guess, uh, and what we were doing, we were just imitating whatever we thought was the coolest movie at the time, or the most, like, edgy script well, or story. we did try to make a, a hip-hop video where we dressed like that. Did we? I remember MC Pan Sizzle. And uh, I've got oh that picture God, of us. Oh, my God, dude. Holy shit. We That's were dressed a like repressed 90s. memory. Yeah, it's very repressed. It never happened, thankfully. Um, oh but it, the only reason it never happened is because I can never right. rap on beep. I <laughs> <laughs> can't speak on beep either. Uh, Fucking idiot. I'm going I'm to need more information, though. I've sent that picture to the group chat, but I will resend it because I never deleted it. Yeah, I think... I think was this was when Garrett and I were like maybe like fourteen, fifteen or something. No, no, no. We were, we're older. We were at Taylor's house, so we were in college. Okay, so we're gonna tell everyone we were like thirteen <laughs> or twelve or so. Yeah, and, we were eighteen probably. Right, the, I guess the idea at the time it's it's kind of coming back to me that we were we had an idea of it was essentially like Garrett looks comical, so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dress him up like Flava Flav, yeah, and have him rap like a parody rap song, and that was our, you know, whole. That was the whole idea. This but will be all, a viral video. All for of sure. us kind of had a piece of whatever the first was. I don't remember what the song yeah, was. It was, it was goofy. It was stupid. <laughs> but you know, I like that. That's kind of what I mean. Is like thinking about like, well, he wrote this when he was like 16. He made the music video when he's 19. Like, man, I did a lot of goofy, dumb looking shit. Yeah. And none of it was nearly right. as successful as this thing that's hogging up like, what is it? Over almost 500 million YouTube plays alone. I mean, like, this, uh, this was, so I this song it. was the first hip hop song to actually top the billboard chops. Uh, tar- charts my fucking words Dude, today you need to stop pretending to be mike because you're actually having strokes <laughs> <laughs> it's getting it's high blood yeah, pressure it, was, it, was, it, it actually topped the chart Go take your medication yeah, it topped the chart which at the time hip-hop wasn't like um it, it wasn't mainstream yet so it kind of it actually vanilla ice believe it or not brought hip-hop into the mainstream he you could say he walked so Eminem could run. In oh a my sense. fuck, dude! I just there's there's like a lit, just a huge crowd of people. Just you stupid son of a bitch at the things that you're saying right now. But <laughs> doesn't make them wrong. I, I sure okay. I'm not saying they're as good as each other or not, but he 
did break ground for certain things like the sampling it's a big thing so he sampling was a thing before him obviously right that, that's he wasn't the hip, first one to sample. not at all but like when he wrote the song he, he went through his brother's records and his brother was into classic rock and so he he that's where he found the queen song and he sampled that because he liked it um and when this song came out it got really under fire for uh people saying he stole that yada well, he had yada. a lawsuit yeah, he had he, a lawsuit. He he had to, but they did settle yeah. on it, um, and it, he got to use it as a sample. But through all the hate that he got um, after that, I mean, people were a lot more accepting of mainstream hip hop using samples in their songs. So he, say, he did kind of take the heat and kind of like sure, breaking the yeah, mold for like, that. I I think normally the the argument is that like if you're if you're using it in an as an artist, right, like creating your own rendition, you're you're typically like changing it in some sort of way or integrating it directly into something in like a more subtle tone or yeah. or you're you're transforming it a little bit and this is essentially like it, it's very I mean, much he, he even right. uses like the keys in it the same yeah. way and everything now, it's exactly there is the one same. Uh, I, I remember hearing an interview where he is talking about like how it's different he's trying and, to explain yeah, he's away. like yeah. no no you see under pro they you uh queen they use it like dun 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 but ours it's like dun 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 See, we got that extra. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, all right, all right. I, I, but, he did backtrack that on that a little bit and just start talking about it as a as a straight sample. I still can't help but, every time hearing it, being like, oh, Queen, and then yeah. it's not. <laughs> but this song was huge in the fucking nineties. I get it's huge, and I like get, to the point where it had a whole toy line of things that you just push a button and it's some sort of like creature that dances and sing to it. Um, I had like a talking fish thing that would do like a billy bass yeah a billy bass thing. type thing and i don't think it was exact it might have been an off-brand billy bass <laughs> <laughs> which is even worse but it did do like the don't worry be happy song mm-hmm. and also had another function for ice ice baby um i like the don't worry be happy song though when i was younger um at, but at but some you loved the, the no, ice I, ice baby i did song. not the fucking uh, don't worry be happy song button function ceased to work and then the, I was left with just Ice Ice Baby. It's like Vanilla Ice fucking corrupted my Billy Bass and <laughs> removed a better song <laughs> for his Ice Ice Baby. And that's all I was left with in my toy fish. I kind of I kind of don't like, I don't hate on the song. Like, it's catchy. It's fine. Like, yeah, I was listening to it on the way over here. It, it's it's about a shootout. Yeah, yeah like, shooting, ly- you know, like, lyrically, like, it's playful enough. It's got a decent enough rhyming scheme and everything. And, like, at least there's some content there. You know, it's not just around the world, around the world for 10 minutes. Like, at least... It's not just a chorus over and over and over and over and over again. There's actually like bars in there. Is it goofy and does it look silly? Sure, yeah. yeah. The man's hair is a a wave, right? Like it looks crazy, and like this this like Sesame Street gang of people that he's got yep. next to this mural wall. Like yeah, it's so, silly. Uh, yeah, like that music video. There's just so. There's so much going on in that. It's kind of hard to... The car looks like it's cardboard cutout, and he's like mimicking what it's like to try. I'll say this about it. He he is a good dancer, and it's very much 
in the 90s style. Everything about it screams 90s, from what yeah, people are a, wearing to the choreography all the, all the fast, is pretty the, sweet. Yeah, the, the fast zoom cuts, like everything, the, all the tagging at the beginning, like, the goofy it's very like 90s. green screen dancing. Yeah, the in very front green, of it. green, yeah, green screen dancing. Oh, yeah, that is true. But as far as the song itself, I've never had anything but disdain. It's I, just I, Queen with a rap on it that's not even a good rap. I think it's. it's just, I I don't okay. know. I I. I, this is probably my most listened to genre is like just hip hop in general, everything from like old head stuff to n- now like stuff nowadays. But like, it, no, it's not ever been in my like liked songs or something like that. And I'm I'm not like keeping it in a rotation or anything, but I've never really, I guess, understood the 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 upsetness with like what you have like it's not under pressure it's like yeah but okay it's it's okay and like i under pressure has also never been in my rotation either well then that would be the difference between us and not just because i really have a love for that song but it's just such a better song so you hear that baseline you're like oh yeah and then it ends up being this song yeah but the good nearly as good the good thing about I think with Under Pressure isn't even that bass line. I think uh, I think there are other parts of that song that are a lot more memorable. and. Oh, better. yeah. I mean, that's not the only reason that that's a great song. I mean, Bowie and Mercury together are fantastic. I mean, yeah. it's... Sure, it's just it's such it's a better like song. The, the, towards the end of the song is more memorable to me when Bowie's like, da, da, yeah, that rise da, da, when they do that rise yeah, at the end. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a fantastic song, but that's my point is that it's just a better song, and I would so much rather yeah, hear but, that song. But you're not like, like you're not listening to. Well, these then listen to th- it, right. Jesse. You got listen to Under Pressure. I listened to this, and then I did. <laughs> but but like, what radio station are you listening to at the time where it's like, yeah, Freddie Mercury and David Bowie. And now Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby to follow it. Like, or, you know, well, it might just be like, you know, it'll be anywhere, like in a mall or something. And then you just hear it. And I just have that expectation. You know, I do to hear that one. And then it's this. And you're like, eh. Okay. I, I I feel it's like just it's disappointing. I feel like it's a situation where like it's pretty easy to like rag on Vanilla Ice because he maybe looked like extra goofy at the yeah. time. He's an easy and, like, mark. It was, it, yeah, it was like especially comparatively to other like hip-hop trends and i mean literal rappers at the time it's like this dude this is the one but even still i mean this was a dude that was still touring with a lot of these like acts that he's being compared to being an opener for people yeah i mean i'm not hating really so much on him like i love the scene in turtles too okay now hold on hold on (laughs) we're getting into some tricky water here uh no (laughs) i I disagree uh but in the same way that you had said that like you know it was a billboard's top 100 it was a number one song it's like yeah you know it it Anything to like take something like a genre or something that I like and put it more in the limelight so that more people become fans of it and more people therefore like produce more stuff from it, I think is a win, right? Like overall, and that's why like I'm yeah. I'm cool with it, it existing. Brought that genre into it's the like the same thing though. as like you know Soldier Boy and YouTube. Like Jesus, when we were in high school and like you, but you good heard stuff that came out. Of yeah, that. you heard like crank that Soldier Boy over and over and over, and it was one of the like first like internet viral rap like dance whatever videos you want to call it. And it's like is Soldier Boy like one of your top artists? No, dude, but. 
it kind of like brought, you know, that whole like these are the next steps of technology moving in towards. I guess I'm not I'm not saying that it didn't help usher in a movement. I'm I'll give song credit for what it's done culturally. I'm just saying it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, I I could see like you know if you're a huge fan of Queen or whatever, and then you hear this song come on, you're like, those sons of bitches, they tricked me again. It's just such a, it's just such a letdown <laughs> to have to hear him just like ice, ice. I'm like okay, but Jesse, cool, check cool. out the beat while his DJ revolves it. Like, what do you not get? It's it's sick. Yeah, word no, to your that's, mother, that's Jesse. Not the yeah, word to your mother. It's it's leaving you shook while my crawlies revolve it. Okay, that's, that's the real words. I. I have to shower. <laughs> I feel dirty listening to the dirty parody version, but that's just because it makes me not feel good in my tummy. Yeah. <laughs> this don't feel good. Right. So, I, Garrett, uh, it or stick so it, you're I a huge fan, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, top top 100, uh, 50,000 uh, songs. Okay. Jesse, you like it a lot. All right, he's just staring at me. <laughs> How was, dare you, Jesse? What a sweet man. How I just want to do my parody again. <laughs> I, we're not going to do that again. Please uh, change it. Please yeah. change it. No, no. <clears throat> uh, uh, yeah, no, it's it's a fine song. It's good. Uh, it's, I mean, not good, but it's fine. It's listenable. It's. Uh, I think it's fine for a '90s song. It's like fine. It's just... Yeah, it's it's as '90s as you can get. And uh, yeah, it, like he had other hit. He wasn't a one-hit wonder. He had other things to do that hits that he did. Like, um, was it a, a cover of "Play That Funky Music" or something? I don't know. Um, I've never even heard that. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Are okay. you okay? No, I, I, dude, pretending to be Mike took everything out of okay me. well pretend to be mike and talk about this song what would you say is he hank senior is he hank williams senior i don't yeah we got to get you in a home <laughs> I, what are you my father no your father's been dead a long time i <laughs> He was killed in a Vanilla Ice music video. I don't know what this hip-hop is. I used to play hopscotch with a hoop and a stick. (laughs) (laughs) Ice sucks. (laughs) Anyway, well, I mean... I guess that's it then. I mean, I really don't want to listen to Jesse really do this parody song parody. again. No, so. and I just you know we don't have Mike here to talk for an hour and a half on anything. So, but <gasps> oh, <gasps> so <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh, that's it. Uh, change it. Almost there, boys. Drop the tropical berry flavor into the volcano. Uh, why? We'll see. Tropical Berry Blue in every box of Kellogg's Fruit Loop cereal. Come on, old time, you gonna join us? Two thousand dollar heartache. Oh man, you play that game. You are big time. How to count cards? No. If you don't know how to count cards, better stay away from blackjack. I haven't told John, but I know about Atlantic City. He thinks you don't like him. I don't. Do you realize how serious this is? Where am I gonna go? I don't know, John. Away, anywhere, away. What about Niagara Falls? No, I'm not, not, not Niagara Falls. Why not? Why not? 
never been there before. I'm talking about kidnapping and extortion. This man owes me, and now he's gonna pay me. You get the money up front. Party! So uh, this movie uh, that we're covering this week is Hard Eight, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. It was his first movie. That uh, was a surprise to me. I didn't know that. I was like, oh. Yeah. This I've was never seen it before now before, either. Before Boogie Nights. Um, so, yeah. Um, a little background on this movie. I mean, he, they made it for, what, $3 million, I guess? Starring, uh, what's his name? Uh, yes. Starring uh, John C. Riley, Samuel L. Jackson, Gwyneth Paltrow, and, uh, of course, leading uh, Philip Baker Hall. Who's also Mike's son. By the way, uh, yeah, 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 of course. Well, we'll get into that. Um, yeah, but which, by the way, oh, for yeah. a first movie, that's a that's a really good cast. That's a good gift. Yeah, it's a for great your, cast. You forgot and, it also stars Dusty from Twister. Oh uh, yeah, uh, uh, in an one appearance. scene, there's Philip Seymour. Philip Hoffman. Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. Um, and John C. Riley, he, nice he had done other stuff before this, but yeah, he I had mean, been in. Uh, what what was he in? He was in. Uh, State of Grace, uh, Casualties of War, Days of Thunder. Um, okay, so he'd already had a pretty... Yeah, he'd already had a little career. bit of a career. And Sam Jackson, this is between Pulp Fiction and ja- Jackie Brown. Um, so This is actually the first movie that I can recall, or like, I, I don't remember ever seeing John C. Riley in anything serious. I've only ever seen him He's in like comedy a, bits and sketches, yeah. and obviously like his more recent like roles... Um, I think the first that, thing that, I ever watched was when he did Mr. Cellophane in Chicago. It was the yeah. first serious one. Never I've seen ever it, seen. but I, in this one, um, it was nice. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was good. He's a really good dramatic actor who can also handle uh, some funny bits, which he has that in here. Um, so, with uh, um, Paul Thomas Anderson, um, when getting it, this movie is based off a short film that he made called Coffee and Cigarettes, uh, which is on YouTube. You can watch it. Um, it's uh, kind of a similar set. It's the diner scene, essentially. The but, opening scene? Yeah, but yeah. it's a lot... The reasonings for being there and the character reasonings are a lot different. Um, it's like two guys... That, it's also got Philip Baker Hall in it. Um, okay. And it's two guys at a diner, and one of them wants to has found his best friend sleeping with his wife in Vegas, and he wants to have them killed. And then he tells Philip Baker Hall that... He has actually hired, already hired a hitman, and he needs help to stop them from being killed because he regretted his decision that he made on Drunken Night. Then later on in the film, you find out that it's too late and the thing's already been done. And the whole thing is in the diner? Yeah, it's, the whole thing's in a diner. Hmm. Um, it's it's pretty good. It's solid. He um, When Paul Thomas Anderson uh, was... This dude, he got this movie when he was 23 years old. Holy shit. He started fucking young. So, like, right out of high school, he got he got tired of not, like, he wasn't directing a movie and got tired of that. Um, he went to NYU, I think it was NYU, um, for film school. And he was there for, like, two weeks. And yeah, he submitted something that wasn't yes, his, right? That, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm going to tell you. So, like, he, got, he went into the screenwriting class, and the first thing the teacher tells him, uh, tells all classes, if you're here to write something like Terminator 2, get out. Because that this isn't the place for that. And Paul Thomas Anderson's like, well, Terminator 2 is a pretty cool movie. What if I want to write that? So he uh, he finds this screenplay written by David Mamet, Pulitzer Prize winning David Mamet. He finds a screenplay that hadn't been produced yet. And he finds this one 
scene uh and for an assignment he you've got a he has to submit a scene that has certain restrictions so he pulls this scene and he submits it and the professor takes it and he gives him a c for a grade and so he took that and he's like all right well i know this is bullshit and he goes (laughs) out and if he's like if you drop out early enough you can actually get your tuition back so he pulled all his tuition that his dad had set set aside for film school and he just lived off that and made a movie with it and so he made Coffee and Cigarettes, the short film. And uh, then I think he submitted that to Sundance. And then that got traction. And then that got him this movie deal to make Hard Eight. So Fucking good wild. on him. I didn't I know. any of that shit. But, I mean, that that's great, dude. I mean, yeah. I, I, um, I really liked the movie. I thought it was great. Yeah, I've never seen wonderful. it before. Um, and I thought everyone was good. I thought everyone was a solid addition to the story it was one of those where i wasn't sure if i liked it at first the first half of it it's such a slow burn for it a is. while and there's you, nothing and a lot that really the, happens until like the last 40 yeah and, and, and the character motivations are very weird and unclear for a lot of that time a lot of the time it's just moving through the casino characters just kind of interacting with each other but there's really no story there's no plot building and you're like what is going on it's, why it's is really he like just this? building those relationships yeah. and, and it, then finally something crazy does happen and then it's like oh, okay and that movie and that scene is really captivating when something finally does happen and there's a lot of great tracking long tracking shots in the movie um mm-hmm. and particularly with that scene and i really like the dialogue i've you know this is very like stark contrast obviously to coming off of watching Leaving Las Vegas, and yeah. it's like too, you know, Vegasy. I know this isn't Reno, Nevada, but, um, you know, it, the same, like, not not same genre or anything, but just, like, the the set piece. Yes. It's built around, yeah. like, casinos and, like, this whole kind of, like, more slummy side of things, I or guess. Like, seedy underbelly um, Yeah, yeah, underbelly-style yeah. stuff. And uh, I thought this was great. I really loved the dialogue. I really loved the performances. And the lead in it, um, Sydney is just great. I mean, he's just a really cool character because yeah. he's so calm, collected, direct, genuine in like everything he says to everyone he treats them all like as individuals yeah he's not like this like comes, too cool for school he's got this guy. old school cool about him he does but he does it without being like flamboyant no. and like shoving you off type thing he's very like okay now listen to me this is exactly what you do. Yeah. Good job. And this is like this. A, a direct contrast to Sam Jackson's character and Jimmy, yeah. who is like also like a gangster, but he's the complete opposite. He's a wild card. He's a wild card. He's he's impulsive. He is flamboyant. He shows off all his shit. He's got a he's got a foul mouth on him. He's, he's rude, which is very in the eyes of Sydney as a character is very unlikable crap yeah. he straight up tells says, him he's like yeah like i don't him. like you. yeah from the yeah from the very first scene with the each of you you're like well these two are gonna have a conference they're gonna have problems yeah um and they do uh in a big way and so. i felt like john c Riley did a really good job with john being this like kind of uh, almost at times like simple like yeah. couldn't think for himself guy who like really came to rely on sydney it's like a lost puppy yeah you know? to to really explain every step he needs to take yeah. because i mean he he does that he takes his instructions um 
you know, from Sydney very early on. And then, you know, when it does the time skip and everything, he's just still at his side. You know, characters are making references to him following him around, mimicking him. Uh, I, I thought he did a really yeah. good job. Like it, that. I mean, it's, you even there's a great visual gag with that before the uh, time cut when they're uh, so like it opens on the diner and it's uh, when he takes him into the the casino to like show him around. He's uh, after it's right before the time cut and he's like in the hotel room and you see that he's got Velcro shoes on uh, on top of this like suit that he just bought and it's like yeah he's just he's a kid you know yeah it, I mean he's that's what he is. So, kind uh, of, if you want to get into it a little yeah, bit, yeah, break it in. break it down a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, the movie starts off very simply. It just starts off on this diner, um, and you see John C. Riley just kind of crouched down. He looks like he's homeless or something. That was mm-hmm. my first thought. He's yeah, I very thought he was down, yeah. downtrodden looking. Yeah, which it is, and uh, Baker Hall sees him, and he walks up to him and uh, tells him he's going to get him some coffee. Uh, Which is interesting in the way that it's shot, too, because you don't know who it is for at first. Yes. It's shot kind of like down behind him, so you never see his face. And he just walks up to him and yeah. starts talking to You're him. You're all focused on Riley. Right. And you wonder why this guy is being so helpful and kind to him for uh-huh. what seems like no reason. And I think in that way, it really sets up kind of the tone for the entire movie. Because you that was the biggest surprise for me and why... Mm-hmm. It would end up being good because the yeah. first half, like I said, I wasn't sure if I even liked it because I'm like, why is he like this? Why is this character so nice, so giving to people? Yeah, why, why what does, does he, he want? Do yeah. Um, and there is a really good reason to it. Right. There um, is. It ends up being very well. But the done. two kind of get off to a rocky start there yeah. in the diner where John's, the character John is very like reluctant to share information with Sydney and kind of like backs off initially and and sydney's like dude i'm giving you coffee i'm giving you cigarettes right who wouldn't I be just i mean like, a stranger just comes up to you says like hey you want a coffee right, you sure. want he's, a cigarette he's really, like, he just offers he's everything. clearly downtrodden looking invites him inside and then offers this stuff to him and asks him about his life and he answers him and he's very skeptical because anybody in that situation would be i like, did really like that you know he asked him if i give you 50 dollars, what would you do and he says i'd eat and they're sitting in a diner. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. doesn't buy him food. It's like, I, it's well, almost like, I need like, you to be hungry for me to want something from me. Yeah. This guy's got to, like, he's he's the epitome of uh, teach a man to fish and right. through a lifetime. Right. Uh, yeah. He's like, I'm not, not just, you need to make this, turn this into more money and I can show you how to do that. Right. And that's what he's offering. Like, uh, John, the character John, he's, he needs a $6,000 to pay for his mother's funeral, is what he tells him. And he's like, well, I can't get you $6,000, but I can get you, I can get you, I can teach you how to get quite a good bit of money, get you a place to stay at least. Enough to eat yeah. and go to bed. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you, if you you got to hop in the car with me and we got to go back to Vegas. <laughs> and and John's like, look, I, I know three types of karate. I, I know jujitsu, aikido, and regular karate. <laughs> the way he says that, it's just such a John C. Riley line. It's, like it's yeah. so simple. It's very, it, it's so funny. I thought this was probably the funniest scene in the movie to me because he's just like, 
reiterating, I'm not sucking dick. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. Yeah. I'm not he says it like three gonna times. be that, your yeah, like, little boy he, whore. That's where his mind immediately goes to. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to suck your dick. That's okay. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. good? Yeah, yeah it's like, that's not what I was looking for. It's okay. Yeah, but I'm just, serious. Yeah, but I'm serious. Not, <laughs> I will karate chop you if you try to pull out your wiener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what he uses as his defense. It's like, yeah. it's like I, I'll use one, I'll use a keto jiu-jitsu or karate just uh, regular karate yeah just yeah. regular karate nothing else uh yeah so that then they go back to the hotel scene and sydney teaches them not just how to gamble but he teaches them like a scam kind of that he runs to get unlimited right. uh runs yeah it inflates with the, the rate card yeah with the rate card so the whole the whole premise is that you request a rate card to make the casino aware of how much money you're spending there, or at least seems like you're spending there, and he essentially just keeps exchanging the same $100 and eventually more money when he does luck out and win off of some slots to make it seem like this man has been here for two hours and he spent $2,000. This is a good customer. Mm -hmm. And so he gets a free room, he's getting free tickets to stuff, free meals, etc. And he's blown away. Yeah, and you know, this he, is something that uh, the director, the thing, Paul Thomas Anderson, actually did a few times. I believe that. Yeah. The one thing that did confuse me was when he said something about having a drink. And he said, like, well, don't, he said, don't drink. And he says, why? And he says, will you be surprised when it's a $1,500 cocktail or something like that? Like, was he implying that they would catch on to the scam and charge him for the drink? I, I couldn't I figure I out what he really, meant. I guess I don't really... I don't really understand like what was the point of that other than just like hey you need to be aware because like you're doing a scam maybe that's right what now? he was yeah, basically I, I saying think that might, yeah that like, he was going to make a mistake fuck, like you're not here yeah. to play you're here to make money right. because yeah. all throughout the movie Sydney's character um and they do, they really don't spend a ton of time like honing in and focusing on this that he's an expert gambler, essentially. The man lives in casinos. That's they his could, profession. You never yeah. see him anywhere else, right? That's his profession. And, like, yeah, whenever you see him, you know, it's only for a little bit when it comes to actually gambling or it's, like, a background activity that he's doing. Like, later on when we see, like, how he's interacting uh, when he first meets Jimmy and everything, but there there are several points in the movie where you see him actually gamble. But then this man walks around full suited, always having enough money for drinks, cigarettes, whatever. The man lives well enough, right. so he's he's got this down to a science, and it's almost just like a backdrop to the character. Even though he he feels like you know the lead, um. I I know at parts of it it feels like John is, but you know he's he's there running the show, and a big part to his character, what he is, what he does, what he trains other people to do, is really just like subtly done and kind of folded away neatly into his character. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but so they they run the scam. You know, John's feeling pretty good. Yeah, he gets a room, gets. Gets some clothes, gets a, some food, gets some shows, and then Sydney kind of uh, says he's going to leave him. He'll see him around, and John's like, "Well, hey, can I come with you?" And then smash cut two years later. Yeah. And then we then we uh, we're back at another casino, and we see we're on Sydney. And he's he's not in like a casino, but he's a, or like the actual floor, but he's playing Keno, just some sort of like 
you know, sit down, a simple game, I guess. Um, yeah, he's just, he's casually betting, yeah, having some a kind drink. Of, some sitting. kind of, like, jackpot yeah. Powerball game, effectively, right? Like yeah. It's, yeah, I think so. Something like that. I yeah. don't know too much about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know the specifics Seems of like it. But pick, this is you where, pick numbers and it, it generates. and Yeah, this is where he meets the other important characters. Uh, this is where he meets Paltrow's character, um, Clementine, uh, as a waitress. And he's just like, you know, the way he talks to her is very respectful. And he's very direct to her as well, where he's like, where he asks her, like, do you have to, does your job require you to flirt with me? And she's like, well... Kind of, yeah. You know, She's like, no, but everything yes, because but I'll get yes. fired if you yeah. complain. Yeah, and you know, it, he's very, he's kind of starting the same sort of relationship ship off with her that he has with John. Um, which you see that John is there. That two years later, he's still following around Sydney, um, ordering the same so drinks as him. Let's talk about like that for dressing second, right? like him. There, um, we know that there's like. Well, we can talk. Never mind. Keep going. We'll cross that bridge. I'm just curious why he chooses to like take Gwyneth Paltrow's character under his wing, take Clementine under we'll, his wing. Yeah, we'll get to that. I, I've got I've got an answer for that one. I okay. Think. Um, sure, but it also directly ties into John's character because by that point, and John later mentions it, they've had some type of rapport as in they know each other she has a nickname for yeah, him they, because she identifies John, it's because John, John likes her right? that, that is a it, big like, part of the reason he like it, by that point it is known that uh, at least by Sydney and John like that he likes her and so yeah, he and she brings it up to him so it's like he is trying to be helpful to John yes kind of in a way and by being helpful to her to, this, uh, to kind of jump forward a little bit that's fine we uh we do find we do learn later that like he's he has a family he's got kids but he doesn't talk to them he doesn't see them and they're the same age as these people that he's kind of taken under his wing and correct cared for. these are like it's like well why can't why doesn't he make some sort of contact with his kids or something well because as we do find out later he's got a pretty fucked up past they know what kind of person he is and that relationship is shot so he's kind of making a a a surrogate father making himself a surrogate father figure to these people and that's what he does when he first meets clementine he just clementine he just does the same thing that he did for john just speaks to him genuinely like a person willingness to be generous by tipping her even though his drink is already paid for by Jimmy who is Samuel L. Jackson's character and that's where we first get introduced to him and we first see that Sydney very clearly does not much care for Jimmy straight up telling him the, the, the way to talk says, around him etc is like you know I don't want you to be yeah it's like the very first thing Jimmy says is something rude about the waitresses he's like there's so, conversation. Much, there's so much pussy in here yeah, yeah and he's like, like well, okay and and, and and Sydney's just like hey man not from my table yeah yeah and and John kind of picks up on this cue right you can tell and, that he looks like I, I'm sorry that I brought this guy over right here. and so he kind of ushers him out and the two go their separate ways yeah and but Sydney they're very like it. opposite characters you've got Sydney who's representing this kind of old clean order, structured clean, yeah this way of being and then uh jimmy who's like the complete opposite just wild uh, flashy nice stuff talks loud braggadocious type of character right yeah yeah um yeah 
and so that that's when they uh that's when they walk off and um after that it's like you see is that when he sees oh he has a uh, yeah Yeah, he has the same with clementine where she's clearly and leaving someone's room who's staying near the hotel it's implied she was sleeping with a customer right she was was she's she's a prostitute yeah as on the side um and this is this is just where you get more of that information you find out about his his kids a little bit you find out um i mean a little bit more about her and see how he's trying to treat her and then he's like come come stay he takes her back to stay at his his hotel room right he takes her in and assures her that you know because she says she says it a few times throughout the movie where like you must think i'm a piece of a real piece of shit or like shitty or what you know whatever and he's nope come mm-hmm. with me and then takes her back to his hotel room where she's, she presumes that yeah, she's sitting there on his bed and looks right. around and is like so do you want to sleep with me he's like no yeah, yeah, I have no interest in Here's that. Here's some clothes. And I think he's doing this uh, really as an opportunity to not only like, you know, sweep her under the parental wing that he's shown to John as well, but to now draw her into the same realm of being in the hotel room that John also stays at, right? Yeah, right. It's like he's, he knows he's, he's John's kind of trying gonna... to help them get together. Right, he's kind of playing matchmaker a little bit. Yeah. And he, he comes in, he's like, Here's some clothes, a towel if you need it, you know, whatever. Just like the room's yours. John will be back in a bit, you know, whatever. I'm out. See ya. Yeah. Um, and and that's back it. To the he's, he's just <laughs> like, I'm giving you the tools to be okay. I am gone. Yeah. And that's where we pick right back up. And he walks in and John's there and she's, you know, already, uh, she's already woken up. And I mean, he, they're, yeah, they're just talking and chatting away. Smoking, yeah, they're just they're just hanging out. He mm. kind of like subtly put together a situation where the two of them could just be people around one another, not like while she's working or while John is trying to play scams or whatever or games. There was something interesting to me about the way that scene was shot, too, when he Sydney gets up out of bed and goes over to John's door and hears them on the other side and he's kind of like hesitant to open the door yeah. like he's thinks they might be in bed together and is kind of not sure if we should open mm-hmm. the door or not and then they're not everything's fine they're just sitting there talking to each other yeah not that that even would have been like a bad thing by any means if they were but it was just an interesting choice something about like the how slow that moment is it's like yeah, a and parent then lingering outside of your child yeah. and then when the door like opens up it's like a sudden reveal it's very quick yeah exactly you know? It's like okay, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, like he and didn't want to be embarrassed. And then he sends them out essentially yeah, for the go. day. Like, hey, he said he's like she needs to go shopping for. Uh, he, he says you need to get some new clothes, and he tells John to take her to go shopping. Um, and so they do. Um, and then he's, you don't really see any of that, but it's mostly focused no. on him after that in the casino. Yes, right. and th- this yeah. is a very fun scene. So, but. Before we get to this, there is a part with Jimmy that we did look, kind of miss out when, on when they were talking. He was talk, he when he was when Jimmy is talking to Sydney for the first time, and he's he recognized him. He said, "I saw you. Uh, you, you bet a hard eight on the on the crabs table." And he's like, "Did I win?" It's like, "No, but it was a it was a hardball move, right? Um, right." So he, I mean, that's where Jimmy's got a little bit of respect for him. But this also sets up this idea of like. 
they keep coming back to the hard eight mm-hmm. of like this being a very uh, steep bet to make. And it also seems like a good way to visually like create the di- it, dynamic between the two of them as yes. being like opposites of each other. Exactly. And so after the scene where he sends John and Clem to go shopping, he goes back into the casino and he's playing at the table and when he gambles, you know, he's very he's very patient. He You don't see him get ruffled or anything. But in this scene in particular, we have Philip Seymour Hoffman just fucking ad-libbing and giving a, a great being, little... Yeah, being great. He's just being, being great. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, he's at, but he's he's antagonizing him the whole time. And he's calling him, all right, old-timer, this one's until, for you. Until what I, I think what I like the most about that scene is that he is until he makes the hard eight bet. And then and he's respecting then all of a sudden, him. he really respects him. Yeah, and he's yeah. like... he's really rooting for him and he's like yeah like come on old timer you and me you and me we got this or yeah. however he phrase it and then once he doesn't win and he walks away from the table you can see the disappointment on but Hoffman's that, face right he's like but that hard eight bet is an impulsive move that sydney sent that sydney had thought was behind him now because but, he mentioned earlier in the conversation with jimmy that it was a foolish bet yes it was, yeah it was not a smart calculated call to do that type of thing and lo and behold here he is yeah but he's getting riled up by this right. guy and mm-hmm. he's like and he throws two thousand dollars at a hard yeah. eight roll and it does not pay off for him no so and then and then you're right Philip Seymour often looks a little disappointed he about it kind of sad that he let him down which and it's it, just a, it's a, like a couple minutes scene that he's in and he's great in it and he i think what i good, what i couldn't figure out about that scene that I find interesting is was he doing it for what Sydney doing it for himself? Cause he, he doesn't seem like the character so far that would try to show off his money. Right. He mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. I think, it's more, he was doing it because he wanted Hoffman's character. He, it's like he was rooting for it. Like he was trying to say, I believe in your role right now. Yeah, I don't think it matters as much about Hoffman's character as much as when Jimmy entered the scene, that is a dynamic for him that just kind of, Shit, it just shifted something like immediately when he said you said it's like jimmy came into his world and it just kind of nudged everything a little bit for sydney and so like, i see your point he didn't he wasn't even thinking about a hard eight at all until you know jimmy mentioned it and now that, he, that he's got this chauvinistic guy that's just kind of like around and kind of maybe judging him for not being as showy or something and adding that on to Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, kind of getting him riled up. I, I don't know. I just think like some of the pieces fall in place for him to go ahead and make that role specifically. Right. And then relearn the same lesson that he had already learned and remind himself, this is why you don't do this stupid fucking bed. Yeah. Um, it's a really I wonder good if scene. Too, if this, relationship with jimmy and as you say like it's sort of pushing him to a point where all of a sudden it's kind of bringing something back from the past yeah that maybe jimmy is supposed to be more of a reflection of who he was when he was younger so maybe he sees a little of himself in him and that's why he doesn't like him and that kind of possible is pushing him and yeah because jimmy's still actively living that life right yeah it i mean He's very much so. I mean, the man runs like floor security. He later on at his house, he sees walking around with six pistols in a suitcase. You know, like this yeah. he gets so mad about that comment he makes too about working security outside and not the floor inside mm-hmm. the casino. 
It's yeah, it's great. And so after after this scene, you know, this is where kind of we pick up the pace. And I really didn't know what was going to happen because he gets a phone call. Yeah, shit goes it's, down after this part. It's from John. You see something's wrong. This he shows is, this up. This is where at, the like, movie gets really yeah, good. He, he shows I, up at a I, motel. I do want to. I do want to see uh, say that like after that hard eight roll, his feathers are now ruffled for Sydney. Right. Like he. It's going to be. You're going to see that he starts to lose his cool a lot more. Right. He turns a little bit more into a hammer. But go ahead. Yeah. So they they he Sydney gets a phone call at his hotel room. It's John on the other end. Something is wrong. They show up to a. He shows up to a motel and go gets to the door. And John is being very like standoffish about immediately letting Sydney in. And eventually, Sydney's just like John, open the goddamn door and. He called he him just, for help. He just keeps help. going like, yeah, promise you won't be mad. Probably, yeah. 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 He's, he's like a kid. He's like, I, I spilled Kool-Aid on the carpet, and I know you told me I can't have drinks in my room, and but but but, uh, but he, it was a real... I, I had a glass, and it had a lid on it. It had a lid on it, Sydney. He, he doesn't I say. He doesn't say promise you won't be mad. He says, are, are you cool? Yeah. Is are, you cool? are you cool? Is it cool? Because like, I... Cause I really, Sydney, I really did spill the Kool Aid all over the carpet. <laughs> it's all over there. You, I fucked up, you man. Won't be, you won't be mad. You want your cool? So, anyways, he he's finally. Like, yes, God damn it! Oh, but it's yeah. where he starts to curse and he gets yes. flustered. It's like he, he finally he's like he's getting he's getting a little bit uh, ruffled up, and he he gets in, and I thought. When he goes in that hotel room, I was like, "Clem's OD'd or dead or yeah, something you, like that." I think you I think, think so, he's done something to Clem and right, right, right. I'm like, okay, John's here. The last time we saw John, he was with Clem. Something's wrong, and something went bad. We're at a motel. Maybe the two of them went there to hook up, and, and like now. And the way this is shot, when he comes in, you just he walks in, and it's just on Sydney and John facing the door closed behind them. Yeah, well, uh, they're facing the wall across the. Right, so you can't see into the hotel room. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but they—they they are look. You see, it like Sydney just looks at the at the wall and he's like, "What am I looking at here?" And it just stays on the two of them. It never. It does not cut for like a full minute, maybe. Which I love because you're just you're. What is it? What is happening? Right, you're right sitting now? there like yeah. I need to see. And, that, yeah. and <laughs> they're even describing it. They're saying it, it's. How could you let this happen? Yeah, they're, they're, they're it, telling it, you what it is. They're like. He's a hostage. Yeah, yeah but like, it still what? hasn't cut after they tell you what it is. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, is this is he bloody? Is there blood everywhere? What's yeah. going on? Right. And yeah, and finally they they cut to him, and it's a guy they got bound in the bed, and he's out cold. He's handcuffed to the bed frame. He's out. Had a, had a head injury. Is, he's got blood everywhere all right, around his there's, head. There's blood on the bed. Clem is in the fetal position on the, or like curled up on the ground next to the bed. And you realize something has gone terribly fucked up. They were just supposed to go shopping. And, <laughs> and somehow this, they ended up here. Yeah, like, there's like, John's got a gun happened? in his waistband, like in the front of his pants. Yeah, and I love it when Sydney sees that too. He's like, Give me the fucking gun. Yeah, you look like an idiot. Give me the gun. And it's <laughs> yeah. not loaded. There's no bullets in it because come to find out that Jimmy has already been at this scene and yes. Jimmy gave and that's him a gun. When Sydney finds out that Jimmy knows about this at all, he's like, this is gonna be a fucking problem. Yeah, this is right. Bad. Because because Sydney does inventory with the situation. He's like, who knows? Who saw you come in here? Has anyone seen this man? Did anyone see you with this man? 
he, Who he's else got have a you checklist. Told? He's seen right. this scene before, right? But he's he's got he knows exactly the questions to ask. Because even later when they're leaving, he's like, "Who saw you at the bar? Who, how many people were you know?" Like, yeah. and she's telling him there were a lot of people there. It was packed. Blah blah blah. You know, no one's gonna notice. And so, he's like, uh, okay. they, but they do find out like throughout the scene, he finds out they got married. Like just a spur of the moment. <laughs> they've known it. They've known each other for not very long, and like they just. They just got married. Send it, Mary, Mary Vegas. Win, win Rome. Yeah, of course win Rome. they did. Yeah. yeah, they were in Vegas. They got married. And then... Uh, <laughs> like two children. Yeah. Like two love-struck two, two children. Two love-struck children. They went back to a bar and a fucking... She, like, took a guy back to, she, yeah, to on, hook with. The, 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 day, the day of their wedding that they, you know, decide to get hitched and everything, John explains that, you know, he turns away for a little bit and she's gone to... Uh, hook to to you know secure a couple uh bills from this guy and that's the whole extent of the exchange is like we're hostage situation beating this man he over owes the head, her money handcuffed that, he to wouldn't the bed. pay her like 300 I, yeah, bucks 300 yeah. it's not they could fucking make it in a night right with their but, job and and don't get like I I get it's the '90s, so like three hundred dollars is probably like a lot yeah, more yeah, 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 in, yeah. given the situation and everything. I think that's but also it's supposed to feel like it's I, not a lot of money. I I think that's, I mean Sydney acts like it's yeah. not a yeah, lot. Yeah, Sydney's like, like, dude, cut your losses. Are you kidding me? This is these are felony charges that you will go to prison for, right. and you're hard up on some like 300 bucks are you kidding me and it's, it's actually like, kind of heartbreaking for her because then she gets upset and she's like you don't understand yeah it's like I the prince this guy yeah, and he yeah. didn't give me the money like he i gave him my body right. like, yeah it's I, like she did it for free it's like you can understand it's like okay yeah i get why you're pissed off but he is right though there like, is a, run from this there is a dynamic between sydney and really both of them but also like Gwyneth Paltrow, who he's been so sweet to the entire movie, and here he's like short of calling her a dumb bitch. Yeah, he's and, he's really, and she's giving it back to him too. She's mm-hmm. she is pissed off. They've there's just so many. They all they all they both just both these kids just made dumb fucking mistakes. I also thought it was interesting that it. she says something about when she gets mad to that it wasn't just about the money. She says that he hit her. Yeah. And that was part of the problem too. And then when she starts to get like upset again, John C. Riley hits her. Yeah. Yeah. And then calls her a whore and yeah, hits, her. hits her. And then because John's trying starting to side with Sydney. He's like, look, Sydney's going to help us. He's going to get us out of here. He knows what to do. Right. And then she's, a, he's like, just, well, forget about the money. And then she doesn't want to let it go. And, and then yeah, he hits her, and then immediately after he hits her, though he's like, "Oh my god, baby, I'm so sorry." And yeah, then he, Sydney leans down and goes, "Do you love John?" And she's like, "Yeah." And goes, Do you love John? And I'm like, "Oh, this is. I feel so horrible for her right now." Yeah, this is a very. <laughs> like, it, it's a very fucked up situation because it's like she feels compelled to do this because she. I guess she like. You know, because she mentions earlier, I don't do anything I don't want to. So then it, it implies that, okay, well, you wanted to do this then. You wanted to have sex for money. And you decided, like, now of all times. And later she's like, you know, I'm so stupid. I'm so embarrassed. I feel like a fool or whatever. And I, I feel like that's where Sydney was coming from initially. It's like, I sent y'all to shop and buy clothes. How the fuck? Do you turn that into this? How do the two of you fuck up so bad that this is the situation that we're in? You are children. That's one of the few things about the movie that was ended up feeling like it doesn't quite add up for me. 
and I feel like could be a little better is her character's motivation. Like maybe there was originally a scene where I mean, you I've, kind of have a better understanding sure, of why I mean, she makes that choice. There might be. I The timing does seem really weird and given like the interactions with the character thus far, she seems like someone who is pretty level headed, right? Like she she, she understands enough to say that like, yeah, well by flirting I'll make more money and that's what I'm here for is money. But she it doesn't come off as in the sense of like Oh, she only cares about making dollars and like right. dudes and or whatever. Because she, she just does married, seem to genuinely like John. And she just married him. And John yeah. is, as we know, is learning how to be a pretty good gambler. So he I, I, has a little I money. I think there's a little parallel here with Leaving Las Vegas. The, the girl, uh, Elizabeth Chu from Leaving Las Vegas. And that this is kind of what they think their worth is. Like when, when Sydney takes her back to his room and she's like, do you want to fuck me? And uh, like that's all she thinks she's, you know good for and you know maybe they were planning on doing something after they got married they needed money to do something right i think that's kind of what i'm saying is that i feel like there had to be something originally written somewhere that implies that they needed money specifically for something right like john had enough money to take her shopping but you needed to stop hanging out with John right after y'all got married to go make $300. Right. Like that that, that really does strange. seem like a very like weird like timing and especially given the amount like it it, it did seem a little bit like Jesus Christ lady what like, the right, fuck like, what are, are you, you doing? doing? <laughs> like, and and that's why I understood so much of like Sydney being like y'all are literally fucking up. And I really so think hard. that's the only point of it is that they are just they they're like they're like kids they're like teenagers they just make made stupid Dumb impulsive choices. decisions right impulsive being the big one sydney being like such a level-headed person reserved the opposite person, reserved yeah. patient and everything and then everyone around him is making these kinds of and he decisions. does lose that patience in here and you know he kind of goes off on both of them he at at, at initially he wasn't even going to help john he, he turned even tra- around he even tries like, to leave yeah he he's like, up his I, hands. He's I like, can't I'm do done. anything for this. i can't i can't help you. he's i can't I'm, i can't be involved in this right and actually leaves the room and, and then, then john, yeah. john convinces him that like dude you're already involved by being here. Like, I need your help or, you know, it's all shot to shit. So, anyway, they they essentially just kind of bank on no cops ever looking into this thing. Sydney even pistol whips the guy before he leaves because he starts to come to a little bit. Yeah. After yeah. John had already punched him again. Yeah, he, he knocks him out twice in this scene. Right, they're sitting there, you know, hoping that this guy's wife uh, is going to show up to pay what he owes to Clem. Yeah, so the wife already knows it about always, this. It always cracks me up when I see stuff like this in movies now, knowing that, you know, that's such a crutch, the idea of knocking someone out over the head and just being passed out for minutes at a time or longer when reality is that if you take a blow to the head like that and you're out for longer than 30 seconds, you've got serious brain damage. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no way. <laughs> no I, don't think, I don't think anyone cares about this guy specifically. No, 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 but it just, I'd love yeah. to see a moment like that. He whips him so hard with the pistol and he's already been unconscious and he's out again. It's like, dude, this, this guy, when he goes back to his wife, 
he's he's not gonna be the same <laughs> and so when when sydney does decide to like help them out he goes into circling the wagons mode you know doing the inventory <laughs> check checking to see you know who knows who have you talked to who saw you where were you did anyone see you come in did you walk in to get you know that this type of thing and he's finally <laughs> convinces clem to leave the 300 dollars on the table of this piece of shit and come with him and so he takes John Clem, gets him out, you know, drives in the car. Uh, Clem is, rides with him, and he goes into parent mode. He cleans up the mess. You yeah. Know? He, he and it, when he puts him in the car, he's like, "Get out of here. Where do you want to? Where do you want to go?" And John C. Riley's <laughs> like, I, "I don't. I don't know. Vegas? Do, do you have any recommend? Right? Yeah. He's like Vegas. <laughs> no, don't go to Vegas. Jesus, John. <laughs> we just had to leave a." man who was beaten in a motel room goes, because of hooking issues over unpaid money she and, goes people go to people go to niagara falls to well, no, they, he goes no i've been there no, <laughs> yeah it, it was like it was that one other place and uh, and john just kept shooting them down he's like i've already been there like it doesn't matter if you've been john, there buddy shut the fuck up bud you've just been probably could be held for attempted murder at this point yeah. Or at least assault with a deadly weapon. Get the fuck out of here, you idiot! You just go to Niagara go. Falls, John. And so, yeah, there. he sends he sends them on their way, and he's like, you know, I'll send you money as you need it. Call me when you get there, type stuff. And we have you know this moment later that he you know he does get a call from John after things have kind of like calmed down for Sydney a little bit. He gets a call from John where uh, you know he tells oh no th- no that, 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 that comes later yeah that um, that happens after i'm sorry yeah so he he sends him on their way um and then he's just in the casino i think after that right yeah we've got a little bit of him like he throws a gun down the sewer right um, yeah, he he's does kind do of that. cleaning up he's he's hanging out in the sewer a There's little a couple bit little things he, they also it, gave him uh the videotape of their wedding and he's right like and he watches around. it but you don't do you ever actually see any of it no i didn't think so well, you, you, just, no, it's you, you do see a little bit of paltrow speaking to john it's like very close you don't see much right and yeah i just couldn't remember if you actually see the tv or not yeah you but do in that see scene he's, yeah he's in the hotel room he's watching the tape of it um so after that like he uh he meets jimmy well he's Jim- in the he goes to the casino first right and it implies that there's a little passage of time like there's a it's probably yeah, been like, like a at day. least a day it's, it's yeah. like yeah. the next day and yeah, then the he gets day. a call from jimmy and yeah. jimmy asks him to meet him someplace and it's like in a it's in uh, his car across the street. Yeah, it's across in a car, the street, across across the street in a parking, parking lot. lot. Yeah, yeah, in a parking lot. They meet him and like uh, flashes his lights at him. Yeah, flashes his light. He gets in the car and Jimmy's just kind of like he's not acting like he wants anything, but of course you know he does. He's just kind of telling him, you know, what the situation is because he knows about it all, and he's right. telling him that everything's quieted down. The guy, uh, guy isn't saying anything. There, he hasn't seen any cops. He probably has a reputation he's trying to protect. Um, but as far as his wife, who knows? Who knows what how that's going on? I'm sure he's in the doghouse. What that type of thing? And eventually, they like, explain away the whole situation. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, like, not there's nothing pressing anymore. And then eventually, Sydney's just like, "All right, what do you want? Why did you want me here?" And uh, then we come to he starts. Uh, we start to find out that. Um, Jimmy knows more about Sydney than he's let on. We find more out more than anyone. More than anyone. He we find out uh he tells him he knows about Atlantic City. Um 
we find out that which who knows what that really means but he, he yeah. mob affiliations something right but yeah. through the grapevine jimmy lets on that he knows that sydney killed uh john's dad that's right he was responsible for shooting john's dad and now place. all of a sudden it makes sense everything clicks yeah it's like, like this is a guy who made horrible mistakes and he was just trying to this is an atonement. set something right. Yeah. yeah. So he, he found John and probably has, traveled there to find him where yeah. he finds him in the beginning outside of the diner, walks up to him to offers him coffee and cigarettes. And it was all intentional. He yeah. was probably looking for him. Yeah. And becomes a, a father figure for him. Um, and kind of a, a sweet messed up boy. And this causes a very tense conversation with Jimmy, mm-hmm. basically extorting Sydney that I will tell John if you don't pay me $10,000. And Sydney laughs and just gets out of the car, walks away, thinks that's comical, ridiculous, yeah. no shot, dude. Thinks He's this an guy, old school gangster. This yeah, dude's not going to do shit. He thinks mm-hmm. this guy is all talk, no bite, right? Right. And he gets in his car. Gets and in his car. Jimmy lets him know that he means business. He like comes shatters up that fucking window. Shatters it with his pistol, right? Yep. And, yep. Then, and then points, then points it at him. And then things get very heated. Yeah. Um, starts yelling at him, tells him that he's not someone to be fucked with, that he wants that money and he wants it now. And this is the most uncool you see Sydney get, apart from the motel scene where he's like d- giving out like uh, parental punishment yeah. words and everything but you see him be like yeah he's he's nervous he's shook he's like you know don't shoot me don't kill me you know blah 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 i'll give you whatever i have he kind of goes into you know self-preservation mode and no longer do we see this like cool calm cool collected expert gambling uh gangster that we've right. been introduced and to the following time. monologue that he gives is a really interesting one because it's it's it was set to me, this was really set apart from it. most other monologues I feel like I've heard because he, he takes him up to his hotel room and gives him the money that he has and he's holding the gun up to him still and he says something along the lines of like, all I know is that I don't want you to kill me. Like I, I Right, so they're, they're, they're sitting there in his hotel room and he's like, the money's not in the bank. It's here right. and I will give it to you. But I am not going to trade my life for John's information about me killing his dad right this is the negotiation that i will give you this money and you will not kill me yeah he says all i can hope is that this is done after i give this to you because i i just don't i don't want to die and it seems really unusual for right because he's essentially saying like yeah i'm not gonna die for well he's he's begging for his life here yeah he's begging for his life and I mean, it's a it's, he's a he's a very logical thinker. I think he, he's he's a reasonable person. So and this like, is what I was kind of getting at: is that it, in that moment, I think is it, it really sense. honest, or is he telling him this because he's tr- he's trying to disarm him? I, like, I, I think it's it's mostly. I think he has his plan in mind, probably. Yeah, yeah already, I do too. But I also think like he doesn't want to die, and he doesn't want. He especially doesn't want to be killed by fucking Jimmy. Yeah. Right. He, just, he acts so vulnerable that it seems like, is he really this vulnerable? I think vulnerable? it's because he... he wants to appeal to seeming weak to Jimmy in that he thinks that will be the best course of action for Jimmy to respond to him 
favorably. That's right. Yeah, Jimmy that's what wants like Jimmy wants the to power be the big trip. Dog. Yeah. He wants to, yeah, he wants to flash the gun. He wants to be like I'll kill you. I'll you know, I don't give a shit. You're going to give me your money. I'll tell John, I'll kill you. I might do it all. You don't know. And so I think by seeming like a wounded dog, he's going to get the best reaction out of Jimmy and Jimmy's going to be like all right, man, I have my fun. And that's yeah. exactly what happens, right? He hands over the six grand that he does I, have I to do, his name. Uh, yeah, I think this is like him playing the long game and being yeah. patient. Right. And because this is this is information you immediately kind of click onto in the next scene when Jimmy is out at the table mm-hmm. and he's gambling, he's gambling partying, all that having money. a good time. And then he rolls the hard eight. He, he makes this impulsive decision, and he wins. And he wins. He yeah. wins on the hard eight. Mm-hmm. And while this is going on, uh, Sydney Sydney's, has snuck into his apartment. S- yep, Sydney snuck into his apartment. He pull, he finds where his guns are hidden. He's got like six fucking pistols in a case. He takes one, checks it out, and then he just sits in the corner of his room by the front door and, and just waits. And he waits. He just right. waits. And I, I think that. And, uh, that's a really good comparison because after a blackmail extortion experience where Jimmy has robbed Sydney of $6,000, the two characters, very different. Jimmy's like, time to go party, got money, let's go make more. And Sydney is like, I'm going to deal with this. I have a situation and I'm going to deal with it now. Jimmy's not like, I got to skip town because this guy's probably got sights on me. You know, like just, no, he's, you know, again, like wild about it, flashy about it. Uh, like caution to the wind. Don't Impulsive give a shit. versus yeah, patient. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so he sits and he waits. And then Jimmy, after he wins, he comes back with a girl that he's, he's making out with on the way there. And then they come into the apartment and they yeah. don't even see him at first. No, they don't even see him. They're good. Yeah. They're good. They're right to the fucking couch. He throws her down on the couch and he steps up to the door and immediately he sit. As soon as he sees him, his like eyes go wide. Right. And then Lights come on. Sydney just bang, bang, bang. Yeah, he doesn't even say anything, right? He just doesn't shoots even him. say anything. Yeah. Shoots him once. Jimmy hits the floor. And I think there might be like a quick reaction where it looks like Jimmy's going to try to draw something from his waist. But Sydney just unloads the rest of the gun and then immediately points it at the girl that he brought in as well who's just sitting on the couch screaming in horror because you know he just gunned down a man with nine rounds right or there i think he even clicks the gun no, at the girl I, doesn't he no I, I he does point it at her but i think this is like he pulls it on her and it's like he's he's almost in a daze of of being like his old self, you know, gunning down this right, guy. Operating. I think yeah. his old self would have shot her, but then he like regains control of himself, and you know, it's like go right, or like right, he right. that he gave her a choice in that moment. Yeah, it I, was I like think it's he he said get out, and if she didn't respond immediately the way she needed to, yeah, yeah, it was gonna be a bullet. Yeah, yeah. And, and lo and behold, like you know, as poetic as it can be. Sydney does end up winning with a hard eight. It just happens to be in Jimmy's pocket when he loots his body. Yeah, exactly. And he walks over there and he gets that fucking money. And I guess it was worth dying for, man, because here you go. You're just splattered across your house. Yeah. And I'm out of here. Yeah. And and you think that the movie could just end then, but then they have like a scene after where he, uh, he gets a call from 
from John. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, at John's at a pay booth and he's like, and he tells him that he loves him. He loves him like a son. You kind of think that maybe he, it almost seems like he's going to just tell him. He's going to admit to it. Yeah, yeah. Admit that he killed his dad. But he no, almost he, does. He yeah, almost he does. He almost and, does. But then he, he tells him he loves like a son and, and John's like tearing up and he's getting very emotional about it. Um, and, and he yeah. takes a minute to respond, but I think that's because John, you know, his his character has trouble processing high, like, stre- not that this is a stressful moment, but it's just intense. And yeah. he... he, he the, and they don't really say, like, what age his dad was killed at. Right, um, right. You never hear John ever say, my dad was yeah, killed. Yeah, he, he only talks about his mother's funeral. Yeah, his you, mother died. you never know that his dad... Which uh, I guess is implied that Sydney already knew about that, which is probably why he tracked him down in the first place. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, John tells him he loves him too, and him and Clem are in the car, and that's it. They're they're on. They're you know en route to Niagara Falls. But you see that Sydney is packing his things. Yeah. And the very last scene, he ends up back at that coffee stop, that Jack's Coffee Shop or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting in the booth. Uh, I think it's the same booth that him and John sat at. Yeah, and he looks down and he's got blood on his cuff. Yeah. And he co- just covers it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is like, you know, he's... No matter how how cool of a guy you are and how, like, patient and, and how, this persona that he puts on for the whole movie no matter how much of that he is it's like well you've still got you can't fully make up for it you've still you've got blood on your hands still right underneath it's a great visual touch there at the end i love that yeah it's it's really like for a first directorial effort that's pretty fucking good i thought it was great yeah Yeah. it was a good movie i uh i was really pleased with it i thought everyone on the cast did a really good job i it's a real nice surprise of a movie. Like I said earlier, it it's such a slow burn at first. You just really have no idea where it's going. Like, yeah, what I is really going like on that. I, I mean, I know I was very young, you know, at the time and back, you know, for the 90s and like early 2000s, like movies I was watching, like, yeah, of course they weren't like long shots, slowly and like neatly baked in dialogue and everything, but... You know, I feel like this has a lot of like rewatchability. It does. Like, yeah. I, I feel like it's just a good timepiece story. It's I, so like, expensive for such a yeah first. They made it. All those damn I mean, casinos. Man. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean it's, they, it's like a thirty million dollar budget or something. Three million. Three million. Okay. They made it for still. Three, I mean, yeah, three million, all those, and all those the, you know sweeping, how much they made at the box office? Did pretty floppy, wasn't it? Two hundred twenty-three thousand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. not a lot. Not a lot. Holy shit! They, they just like didn't market this fucking thing. And it's amazing. As it like that, that's his debut movie. The young director, and he still comes back from this and has a great career. Not yeah, only that, it's he, he has like good people in like in in this. Like at least Samuel L. Jackson's name is doing some work, right? Like yeah, some this lifting? is again. The, well, yeah, this is still between. This is after Pulp Fiction and before Jackie Brown. But so, still, Pulp Fiction alone is enough to really exactly. give him. He 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 really, and I guess he'd already done Die Hard at this point, uh, or Die Hard Two. 
whichever one he he's was in. He's in the third one, I think. Okay, he's Vengeance. in the third one. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, maybe not then. Uh, but yeah, like, it, it's got it's got names. Uh, Paltrow had definitely been in, I think, had been in stuff. Um, yeah, she was, it was right after Seven. Yeah. Um, so, okay. like, I yeah, mean. so big names. Yeah. Wow, that is really, yeah. like, staggering. 223,000, dude. Yeah, it, it didn't really, because he, he got, uh, Boogie Nights was his next movie, and he got that at, while he was editing this one still. So like, okay, this, I don't think this one had been released. I know so there was Boogie like, Nights probably did a lot to help pick his yes. career back up. Yeah, yeah, because um, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, that's really, a really but shit return. But it's funny, yeah, considering that it is a good movie, and I'm sure a lot of that went into those casino scenes and those long sweeping tracking shots through the casino, just following right, because Sydney around. It, because a lot of it is just, everywhere. Right, a, lo- a lot of the other scenes are just like in a hotel room or in a right. coffee shop or and in a really motel room. And it's really just the cast of four or five characters the entire right. movie. It's, yeah. it's, it's not like some huge like ensemble where everyone's on set it's normally like two or three people in a scene it's got to be the casinos right yeah it's got to be these like big dining rooms and playrooms and you know on the probably casino the camera rig systems to do all the big tracking shot right. scenes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah damn that's really surprising i i was really pleased with this i, I want to go back in time and give him my five dollar movie ticket yeah <laughs> um enjoyed it yeah, but I mean, and we almost got like a different movie with it because he, uh, this movie was originally titled Sydney, is what he wanted to call it. Um, but the company he was making for it, it wasn't like a traditional studio. It was a uh, video company, like a VHS company. It was Reicher uh, Entertainment, hmm. um, which then got bought out by like Cox Media at some point. Uh, so they make their money back on like VHS tapes yeah. or something then? Yeah. Oh, they um, did? Yeah, that I guess that's how that works. But that they don't really exist anymore, um, obviously. But they they wanted to change the title to Heart Eight because they thought people might think this movie has something to do with Australia. Um, so they wanted to do that, and they also wanted to. Ha- they also basically locked Paul Thomas Anderson out of the edit and edited it themselves. Um, hmm. until they tried to submit to Cannes Film Festival, and Cannes was like, well, we want a director's cut. And so they brought Paul Thomas Anderson back to edit it, the movie how he wanted it to be, and uh, they let him edit it how he wanted it, um, but on the caveat that he kept the title Hard Eight, uh, which I think that's a better title. That was probably this. a better choice. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think Hard Eight's a cool title for it. I yeah, I, I just in general theme, I, so. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was cool. It was it was nice to see a like very uh, casino heavy and kind of like driven movie that didn't really get too technical into like playing the actual games. It was more about just existing in and around this lifestyle, and I appreciated that. I like that. Yeah, great cast. Mike's son was sixty five at the time. I think he did great. That's yeah. my boy. Yeah, what do, what do you think about the movie, Mike? What do you think? I I remember seeing it on Laserdisc when it came out, and I I was so proud of my son, and I I remember making a bag of 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 
of of stovetop popcorn to watch this when it came on the H home box office channel. I was sitting uh, in my dad's house, rollerblading backwards, eating my popcorn and sucking down a Sunny D. And that's when I remembered seeing a hard eight. I was 19 and a half and my jorts were very tight. They were the tightest jorts in the neighborhood. When he shot Jimmy, I think I must have spit out three fruit roll-ups out of my mouth. (laughs) I remember when it got to the credits, I thought, I don't think my moon shoes can bounce any higher. I remember the Depression era. I remember when it got to the credits thinking, I don't think my dick works anymore. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the 90s roulette podcast, but it's the 1890s because Mike's on. <laughs> Anyway. All right. Change, change it. these two guys with three kilos of cocaine what do you think they were doing with a making shark for girls softball games listen to me carefully i don't want you to talk about anything to me anymore i don't want you to say my name anymore i ain't see you any movies and what's the afro anyway you look like link from the mod squad i think dougie here needs a soda why don't you uh, go out and look uh Look at it. I'm sure Dougie won't mind. Michael Bolton, the president of the United States, on speaker, speakerphone as he revealed. Put old Mike out of his misery. No, I really didn't know that you wrote that. I, now it's a little more impressive. <laughs> I wish I had paid attention more. Yeah, I was I, I was in the zone playing. You uh, were playing. Yeah, we were just... Yeah, Garrett was fully dead inside, but I was present. <laughs> My eyes felt like they were locked. And I, all right, what are we getting into? What's next? All right, uh, oh di- fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting into uh, the nitty gritty here. We're gonna talk about uh, uh, SNL, great, uh, well, iconic show, very iconic show. Yeah. Um, a not so iconic episode, but a very infamous one. Uh, of all the episodes we could have picked. Season 16, episode 18. Uh, the musical guest, Michael Bolton. Solid. And the host <laughs> is Steven Seagal. Limp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the... I don't remember what movie was out during this time that he was, I guess, promoting. But uh, he was certainly at the height of his career. This is what I was thinking about literally on the drive over here, really, was what was the height of his career, really? It would be like Under Siege and Above the Law stuff. Under Siege is the only movie. After On Deadly Ground, that's when his career starts to nosedive. Under Siege is the only movie I can see of his that is even kind of watchable. Yeah, that I can think that I can remember. Yeah. I have so, never seen a Steven Seagal. How movie. he has so much popularity is beyond me. This it, is a man that has. Uh, uh, we were talking about this earlier. This is a man that, in every aspect of his life, has failed up and has managed to bullshit enough people into believing that he is something he is absolutely not. And I guess he's good at playing gets, intimidating, but that's about it. 
That's the one thing he does though, okay. It, it just man, I like I said, I've never seen a Steven Seagal movie, and I never would want to after watching this <laughs> SNL episode because they're just like basic shit. Yeah, so he like, gets this hosting job, and it's like it is aggressively unfunny. Um, <laughs> it, it is trying. It's hard. It, like it finds the idea of humor insulting. Yes. <laughs> um, oh. And, and uh, uh, when you hear people that talk about in interviews that they're with writers uh, from SNL during this time, they're like, he came on to he he came to SNL and his first thing was like, so what? I don't know about the show. What is it you guys do here? Yes, yeah, season see- sixteen of one of the most iconic shows on television currently with some heavy hitter cast members yeah and he has no idea like it it, is this the is a, it's a show that comedy. launches careers yes. and he's like no. he has no he doesn't even know it's a, a comedy show probably and like he was always like opposed lauren michaels uh has said that this is this is the one that anytime he, he has to name like the worst host this is always the one he goes to because like he was difficult to work with and he had the worst ideas for sketches you can um, tell which, which we're one, gonna get into some you, of those you that, can tell which ones are his <laughs> yeah but there are you know it, it's it really is a testament because he's only in like three sketches or maybe four. Maybe four. Yeah. But he's not in... There's plenty of them without him. Uh, I really haven't this, watched a ton of SNL either. Like, is the guest host typically in, like, the majority of them? Like, most of It depends them? on the host. It's, yeah, and if they're uh, good. Yeah, yeah. If, the host, if the host is solid and the host has a lot of ideas, it really depends on them. But speaking of, I did think it was unusual that Michael Bolton is in effectively a sketch it's a musical sketch yeah he is but that's that rarely happens that, that it, yeah it yeah. doesn't often he's not really only there to sing i guess um it doesn't yeah it doesn't happen often another thing that doesn't really happen often the host is not usually uh i guess sometimes that happens but not usually in the cold open uh that's usually just something that they open with a regular cast right, member with a cast member yeah uh may, maybe they have guest stars or something but they don't usually have uh an actual the host in those um, right. but this one they did um and so the this first sketch uh it's Hans and Franz the uh we are going to pop you up which guys. they they are kind of funny that, like, that's a very, like, it's a very iconic thing I said it as a kid all the time that's yeah. just goofy yeah it's right? goofy and I you know what I it's a lot like the wild and crazy guys yeah like, it's the it's same like thing this. it's just a goofy thing that it's goofy recurring characters with uh um, yeah I think it's Neelan uh is one of isn't them isn't dana carvey the other one yeah dana carvey yeah thank yeah. you that's what i was trying to think of dana of course carvey. he is because it's an impression sketch and, yeah exactly he, um, he that's what he does best. and so like when they pitched this idea to steven telling him that 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 about this uh franz and hans thing and that they were going to shoot on and when people come out guest hosts come on the show they're going to like they're going to go there to make fun of themselves. That is the idea. That this is a time for you to kind of that's what do, it should be like. It's, it's, it's for you to do public image work, right? Yeah, it's, right. it's poke it's, fun at yourself. Yes, it's a it's a lesson humility for exactly. self right? Exactly. Yeah, self awareness. But every sketch with him is just like dragged down because it seems like the entire time 
that he doesn't want to be taken as anything other than the most serious man in the room. Exactly. Yes. And so, like, with this Dude. sketch, they they pitched him on this Franz and Hans thing, and they wanted Franz and Hans to, like, beat him up or, you know, emasculate him, I guess, in a way. And he's like, no, I think I should, I should, I should beat them up and and like he does this whole thing with like holding up his pinky and like they can't move him or whatever which is shit that he actually claimed that he could do or like he could throw people with a a pinky well he can stop you with a pinky and then he proceeds to use his entire fucking hand well he does that to do this imitation hold on hans and franz y'all seen that video of him that probably was in the last decade of him at a karate tournament and he's like a guest. He goes out there and yeah. like five or six guys, at least like on, you know, the same throw size themselves him, down, throw themselves him. at yeah. him. Yeah. And just throw yeah. down. And he's doing basically that. He, he looks like he's barely trying. Like he's putting like guys. one hand. Which, into it. Yeah. This, this is how he got his start in movies. Um, Cause he was like doing a presentation like that for some Warner, I think it was Warner brothers or something or some ex- studio executives. And he just had like these guys and he would, pr- act like he's throwing them around but the executives were like thought it was real they're like oh wow he can actually do this stuff this like, no, he just had actors that were like throwing themselves and he thought they thought that he was actually throwing them across the room yeah the only thing real was the tiny the tightest ponytail in the world being <laughs> real dude every sketch with him is just every time he goes to talk not only is the timing like awful right like it it's it's quiet there's moments where, like, he has his back to the camera. You can't... Just, like, basic actor shit, right? Just, like, basic stuff where you enter into a room and, like, open yourself up. Or yeah. you're, you're, you're working with another character live. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a performance. It's a state. Like, speak up. Be exclamatory. And, like, you know, throw a ton of, like, overacting into People it. People want to see a side of you... That is not your yeah, character but instead, stick. Exactly. You just come in there and you're like, I think uh, you should stop talking to me. It's like, oh, okay. Is uh, that the sketch? Is that the funny part? Yeah, that you're no, actually you like You don't know this? what the sketch is supposed to be when he comes out. Um, that's the, the very first sketch, the cop one. That's what you're talking about. Are we still talking about Hans and Franz? We're talking about Hans and Franz okay. still. <laughs> uh, but the cop one is, exact, is, is very similar. It, oh... I'll turn in my badge and gun then, and he proceeds to slowly it's pull so out slow. his yeah, gun. Slowly from, it stuffed in his jacket pocket. Like the the funny part of the the sketches with him in it to me is how much of a lame ass dude he is in every sketch. <laughs> yeah. He he delivers his lines after he does of, action. Well, of course, also in this cop sketch, this uh, Tanelli's uh, Tanelli is what it's called. Tenelli. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like supposed to be a. a a cop show uh, uh, parody, I guess, is what they intended for it to be. And he, right. he is doing this, like, accent, though, while he's doing it, where he's trying to be like, hey, yo, come on. Yeah. 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 That's that, like, so I guess he's trying, but... But he, he cannot deliver any dialogue while no. also doing something with his hands. He has to do the thing with his hands, yes. like move the copier, pull his badge and gun out, and then say the line. Yes. And uh, so, like, he, he turns his badge and he goes out into the this... Uh, there's three sets for this one sketch, which is... I a th- strange thing. So uh, yeah, one thing I was gonna say was that I feel like this was originally intended to have a lot more in it, and probably more of the cast. 
It yeah. seems weird Because there's that... more cast members when he walks out. He fucking gives Chris Farley a concussion, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just by like, touching him. Yeah. yeah, he just throws him into the wall. I think it'd be really cool if someone said something jabbing to me and I assaulted him in the office. I mean, that's literally like what half of what he does in this entire episode is just throw someone against a set piece. Yeah, and like, then... That's it. And so it's like, I don't know, like two or three minutes before of it's him going so through these long. until he gets to the third room where you actually realize what the sketch is supposed to be and it's just some fucking making copies rob schneider he's, sta- he's standing there making copies and it's just rob schneider doing that funny you know, that's like, it just throwing one of our funny character our goofy characters doing and it's it it relies so heavily on that. Like it really just becomes Rob Schneider doing that. Yeah. And then then, Steven Seagal being some douche that's in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And then he like hangs him out the window and, or like starts being up because he's getting annoyed with them. Oh, right. Blood's rushing to my head. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, it's, man. I think Seagal forgot he was in a sketch during this part. Yeah, probably. (laughs) He wishes he wasn't in a sketch. Also, like during that part when he's got. I feel kind of bad for Rob Schneider in this scene because I feel like he's trying so hard hard to carry I feel bad for everyone to, who has to like, work across him. he's trying so hard Rob to carry Schneider, it. but throughout the every sketch he has to be in with Seagal I feel like he's trying the, he's trying really he's trying hard to carry hard. it he's honestly yeah. the only the the one we'll get to later the the one with the boyfriend Schneider is the only one that probably understands what that sketch is supposed to be um but yeah <laughs> well the the actress that plays his wife in that scene too i thought did a really funny job in yeah, that scene they, also they tried yeah they, they really tried, tried. <laughs> everyone that's all you can say for the cast members they tried it's just um, every time like, he goes to deliver dialogue well, it's you so can tell, slow man you, you can always tell when some that these people are reading cue cards even in the ones now you can you see them looking off mm-hmm. but like he is fucking like stopping like stuttering over his lines and just like it's he rough. can't read the fucking cue cards. This man, is it rough? He 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 does the whole like police thing, scene and everything, and it's just every time he's in there, it's like, I, like I don't like the overarching bit. Just seems like I can't believe you're a real life person. <laughs> I can't believe that you're actually like this. Like you couldn't take and he a is second. Actually, like this. You couldn't take a second from your make believe martial arts belts that you have. To, to be, be human. Like, he has no funny? humility. He has right, not. Do it's... either of you remember the commercial that came out probably like in the mid 2000s with him? And it was like a Pepsi commercial or something, I think, where he goes into a gas station. He do karate chop the attendant. Well, well, it's it's actually funny because he's just himself, but it's everything happening around him. So he like he he walks like over to like a, a freezer door and opens it to get the Pepsi out and a thug like tries to run up on him and the hit runs into the glass door as he opens it and he does something else like while he's doing his change that like does something to another mm. guy and he's just like he looks around and sees all the chaos around him he's like oh man he's I'm like sorry. unfortunately yeah, stopping like, crime he's doing it without him. trying yeah. and and that's what makes it funny because he's being himself but it's all the chaos happening around but him. that could be any the, action star right that right could be yeah it could be, any, yeah. it could be you any just action need star. someone to stand but there and not the, deliver that's the lines. one thing i remember seeing of his that is actually really funny is that commercial and this way he delivers that line he sees the chaos and he's like oh man i feel terrible i'm sorry <laughs> like he's just so oblivious to it yeah but it's, i know so he he forgoes the 
a traditional opening monologue because i mean why would he try to read more cue cards <laughs> instead he 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 wants to uh play a song and he plays <laughs> you say he plays i don't know uh, he sorry i mean on guitar pulls out a guitar and a version a spoken word version <laughs> of kung fu fighting comes out oh uh, man while he Everybody Leisurely was thumbs. kung fu fighting. Yeah, it's the uh, kicks was fast as lightning. Yeah, he's got the backup singers. He does who are yeah. doing their fucking damnedest to make this a performance. <laughs> Everyone he, is doing their fucking damnedest I mean, in the show. You tell that it was him. like he came up with the idea to do this. Yeah. Like, okay, well, we have to have other stuff happening in the background. There because has to be other stuff. You, we'll you be just, bored to he was yeah, known, like, I mean, he was known for playing music. That was like his second career, basically. I thought that was his first time touching a nope. guitar. He, <laughs> he has made studio albums, believe it or not. What the fuck? Uh, oh, boy, we got to... I got to show you some of those oh later because they're fucking uh, ridiculous. They're insane. Uh, they're like, some of them are like a blend of Buddhist Zen monk sounds with like rockabilly in them. Oh, it's wow. insane. I don't think I've ever heard any I, of this I either. I felt like this entire episode was nothing but like, hey, do you wonder what Steven Seagal likes to talk like to people around him and imagine he's like, this is it. Yeah. The episode. The the only scene where he sketched that I guess he's trying something is where he's got to do an impression of Andrew Dice Clay. And boy, yes. does he. It, it, it's, just, it's the same as the Tonelli sketch. It's just like, hey, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Gabagool. Yeah. 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 He, he, lets, he lets Chris Rock deliver his line, pauses for three seconds, and then goes, oh, yeah, oh, whatever, you know, something, uh, lines or something. And it's just never on beat. Like, no, no response ever fe- from him ever feels like it comes at the natural speaking point, like, in a conversation with someone. Like, in the in the scene with Chris Farley where he's dating his daughter, every time it goes to Steven Seagal, it's like he has to stop, remember where he is, remember he needs to be speaking, then delivers lines... And then trails off, and then everyone else is like, "Okay, now we can react." Yeah, it's like fuck, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and then after this, we get the musical guest, and and the way he announces Michael Bolton every time is like, "Everyone, Michael Bolton." He emphasizes his name that. so fucking weird. Yeah, he says it's like, Michael Bolton. Michael it's, Bolton, it's and that's so the funny. loudest he ever gets in the episode. Yeah, the, the most animated. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's the. And then the Michael peak. Bolton plays. Uh, and I I remember when I I told, was talking to Mike about this episode, and uh, he he did. Well, know. Mike's right here. You can just ask him. Oh yeah, yeah, I can ask him. <laughs> <laughs> He's just fucking dead on the floor. <laughs> Uh, uh, his respirator's unplugged. Hold on. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, but I, I was talking. I had to answer my page. <laughs> I got your smoke signal. <laughs> I love you, Mike. Let me out of the hospice care. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I, I was talking to him about it, and he didn't know who the musical guest was. Uh, but he's he's like really. He was like I. Uh, 
he was guess he had said it as a joke to his mom because she had asked him who the musical guest on that episode was. And he's like, I don't know, someone terrible like Michael Bolton probably. And I was like, Yeah, it's Michael Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking it's Michael Bolton. Yeah, it's Michael Bolton. Bolton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which to Michael Bolton's credit, I'm not a fan of his, but he has a great voice. Yeah, I mean, at least he certainly was the height of style, I guess, at the time. Right? Like, I'm not. Look, I don't. I don't think any of us are like going to be fans of Michael Bolton or anything. You know, we certainly never owned any of his pieces. But those fuckers thought I like Michael Bolton. (laughs) At least, at least this guy is like a good performer, and you know, does does a good show. Not like. It's just such a stark contrast between, like, a guy that has, like, talent, right? You know, like a voice, and, you know, he's, obviously he's a successful musician. And then you have Steven Seagal. Oh, it's man. It's like, what the fuck does this guy do? Yeah. How has he made it this far? How is, has he done this much? It's fucking, uh, it's a mystery. It's a mystery of the world. Um yeah, and th- and then after this, we start getting sketches that don't involve Seagal, and it it kind of it like gets a, a little better, a bit, a little bit. It's still kind of a dry <laughs> episode overall. Yeah, um, yeah it's not the funniest that's... bits to me were the deep thoughts. Yeah, the, the deep thoughts, thoughts were pretty funny. Deep thoughts funny. I also like the uh, the funeral home. The funeral sketch, home. that was probably like, my don't, favorite. Don't sleep <laughs> yeah. with it. We don't sleep with our cor- our corpses anymore. Compassion. And if they do, we get a ten month suspense. <laughs> Suspension. Paid suspension. Yeah. Dedication. Compassion. No sex. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I actually thought that was a great that was pretty funny. That was a real, It was really very short. That. It's exactly. super brief. Yeah. Um, deep- which I, I think a, a big ish, issue with a lot of SNL sketches is they all they're always like five minutes they go or so seven minutes, long. which is long for a sketch. So yeah. and that one's very brief, and so it, the best stuff is short. Um, right. There were there were times in this episode where I was like, damn, dude, I could really like three X of this part. Like, let's fucking exactly. go. Um, was that up. Phil Hartman in that? Yeah, that Phil one? Hartman. Yeah, he's so great. Yeah, he's, he's good so in that. Funny. And that they do the weekend update, which um Dennis Miller's not very great at weekend update, I don't think. Oh, it's okay. Uh, I, he's, I, he's I think fine. my favorite part actually, because I, I ended up watching it again and Oh, the, you watched the bit, it twice. I'm I did sorry. just because I wanted to remember because I watched it like yeah. three weeks ago and I didn't Fair. wasn't gonna remember half the sketches. But the bit with Adam Sandler being the like the traveler. Yeah. Like, so it, that that it yeah. was a lot funnier watching it the second time because I don't think I caught on the first time to the fact that he never leaves the hotel. <laughs> like that's the whole joke. Oh, but yeah. But it kind of falls flat because it's delivered weird. Like you don't they don't ever really I, you like can't say tell that. if this is part of the character or Sandler really is that nervous because this is his first season as a featured cast member. Maybe that's what it is. He like just a, was I mean, doing a nervous delivery. 18th episode, I guess. Uh, that Well, I don't know how many he'd been on this season because he's not a full cast member, but this is the first time he's like in sketches. Uh, okay. Or the first season that he's in sketches. He, so he, he, he they could be nerves. Um, it might, yeah, it might be because it really was actually pretty funny when he thought about it. Like he's the travel expert; he's going to talk about his trip in Greece. And he yeah, just talks he just about, about the hotel, hotel room. Like, that's yeah, it. that's pretty funny. Yeah. I also thought Kevin Nealon as Mister Subliminal is is yeah, Mister Subliminal is really funny too. Yeah, yeah. so like at, at the weekend updates, fine. Uh, and the, as I think there are better anchors in the '90s, like Norm. 
McDonald. Yeah, Norm was uh, probably the best. Yeah. Uh, he's Man. pretty hard to top. Fucking legend, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the main, the I mean, the whole reason we kind of like picked this episode, right, is because of Steven Seagal. And, it is. It is. So, so uh, the the next like big. That's the dating his daughter sketch. Oh, does it last long? Dude? It is so long and it's so fucking slow. And I feel so sorry for the girl that has to play his daughter and like sit on his lap at one yeah, point. That part, I thought the same thing yeah. in that one moment. Like you can tell how uncomfortable I will say she this, is. it takes some kind of ability to make Farley not funny and and make Farley low energy. The no. dude sucks the life out of every bit. Every single part. I can't part. remember the actress's name that does his wife, but I thought that her and Rob Schneider are the ones that really carry the scene they, as they best understand as they what, can. Yeah. What the uh, scene is and what, what the... The intention behind the sketches, what it was supposed to be, is like this guy's coming over to date his daughter, and the wife is like every time the wife is around, Seagal is supposed to be himself, be be that very stern uh, hitman type character, and then as soon as the wife leaves, he's supposed to be really goofy, and there that's supposed to be like a stark ta- contrast but Seagal didn't want to do that yeah, instead what happens is i'm an ex military cia man and i'm very very deadly maybe if you do something wrong maybe it plays you know, it would have played so much better with the wife because she yeah. is actually funny like I, I the one one of the parts of that that did make me laugh is when he shows him the tattoo he shows farley the tattoo on his chest i was like yeah i used to be an ex-assassin or whatever and then the wife comes on she's like oh is he showing you the tattoo like are you telling you the story about the guy he killed in the philippines and he's like it was a long time ago and she's like well you worked for the government honey you always leave that part out <laughs> like something about her character being just kind of like oblivious like and she's just got this sort of like high, hopeful yeah. high energy like, it was so funny to me otherwise but, it just it honestly feels like a drama. It feels, yeah. It feels, the I scene mean, when just, feels just dramatic. with Farley and him, yeah. it's it's cringy. You're just like, ugh, like, okay, get on it's, with it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really fucking bad. It's a, yeah, and then Schneider comes out, and there's a little bit more energy where he like goes to check on Farley's car, and he comes back, and he's like. All right, it's got this and, this, and he's telling them, like, to him all, all the facts about the car. Yeah, he's, he's done like, like all, he check, he's checked the brake lines and all this like, stuff. Tires are good. Front right one's a little bit low, but the brake pads are good except for the one in the front. You know, he's got spare tire in the back. And it gives him the rundown on the quality of Farley's vehicle, and it's like this is the this is one of the very few like funnier elements that he has this nerdy and he has energy. energy and he gives a cadence to it that gives it like a yeah, high energy like, and he's like yeah. he's got this, he knows what listening. the energy of the scene supposed, was to, supposed be. to be yeah and but like farley can't do that because he's acting across the goal the entire time and i mean you only get what you get you only yeah you get what you give basically yeah he's, he's you give trying what you, get. you get you farley gives what he you gets. give me what you want He's supposed to be kind of like a dopey guy that doesn't really understand what's going on. And so, right, he's like subtly picking up on the fact that Seagal is threatening him, right? Right, but he's but he picks up on it slowly. At first, he's just supposed to be like, oh, yeah, we're doing this, this, and not realizing what he's saying is stupid. Right, like, when are you going to yeah. have her back? 10? Are you kidding me? 9.30? Yeah, yeah like, he says something earlier in the scene when he's like, 
he says something about your that's a nice watch he's like oh yeah my grandma gave it to me for graduation last year like he's slowly not real like he's not realizing what he's saying is not making him look any better right and seagal is supposed to be the one that carries that like his attitude is supposed to be like okay like this guy is not good but he's so he plays it so straight and delivers it so slowly that it you could see why farley isn't funny in the scene because he doesn't i just could i couldn't imagine him the the way he can yeah yes you're absolutely right and the the biggest thing for like against seagal is that this is live like you cannot cut around how slow you are you cannot cut to increase pace you, you, you know, like, it, sure, in a TV show or a movie or something like that, like, you can chop it up as much as you want. You can make the stakes seem a lot higher by throwing around some different, like, musical elements and, you know, changing the pacing. You can do that, you know, in the editing room somewhat, you know, it's a, as long as you're not doing, like, these long seven-minute shots on a couch. But he's just, <laughs> he's sitting there, and he just, man, is he the most boring man alive. I was insulted by how unfunny and boring he was. It's an absolutely brutal sketch. It sucks <laughs> so it, bad. It's horrible for everyone involved, really. Uh I yeah, I but, feel for the people that have to act across him. I know. It's it like that's gotta be the hardest days for the cast of SNL when you just have a host that is I just can't not, do it. Can't do it and yeah. they have to carry it and work that much harder. Yeah, it's like, yeah. hey, real quick, man, could you give me anything? Could you be self-aware for, like, five fucking seconds? Right. Have some kind of energy at all? Uh, not be a fucking dead fish in the sketch? Yeah, at anything other than your one hand in the pocket while the other one motions to people that aren't there. D- attitude. Can you please do anything and please can do something with that ponytail, dude. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. I wonder how much of a fight he put up about that Andrew Dice Clay wig that he had to wear. It's like oh, literally yeah, the it covers only up the ponytail. It's the, yeah, and it's the only prop I think he ever has in the entire episode. Is the costume? Yeah, it's a yeah. costume. That's the only time he wears one. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he wears one in the last sketch, which. Yeah, let's go ahead. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and r- rip off this bandaid uh, for because this one is if the uh, if the Far- Farley dating his daughter sketch is slow and long, this one is like fucking achingly just terribly long. It is, <laughs> and it's so long before like anything resembling a sketch starts to happen. And I can't decide what is the more offensive thing in this sketch. Is is the end with Seagal or the fucking beginning with Mike Myers and just straight up Fu Manchu yellow face? It oh, is, right. It, yeah. like, I, look, Did I've got an, my note oh, is, man. I, my only note here for the beginning is, Jesus fucking Christ, Mike Myers. <laughs> 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 He's... Because they don't just have him in yellow face. Like, they have these eyebrows that are lifted way up. They've got his eyes slanted. He's got a Fu Manchu. He's doing this. I forgot about that. He's doing this fucking, oh, yeah. He's doing this very broad accent. And I mean, even 
It's even the it's staggering the, the when one, it happens. That one skit that he does with Farley that is so funny, where he's the American tourist on a Japanese game show, uh-huh. and that one I think they made just dye his hair or something. But even that one is kind of like is like eh, it's borderline. Yeah, as yeah. funny as it is. <laughs> yeah, but this one. This is like, like why oh, does man. why does he have to be Chinese? <laughs> right. What, what's the what's the reason you needed to bring this character specifically in? Because he's just like briefing. Seagal. It was probably his suggestion. I bet. I'm was sure it, it, yeah. he was like briefing Seagal on some environmentalist issue. Maybe it was like if you make if you blow it up to the fact that it's this ridiculous character across from Seagal. Maybe that'll make it more entertaining because of how dry and straight Seagal is. I mean, that's got to be true. It's it's, the most entertaining part of the sketch, but for not good reasons. (laughs) It seems like it's supposed to be a parody directly of Steven Seagal action movies. Probably. That that kind of makes makes sense. That's the impression I got. They're trying really hard to parody his action movies, but he's not not. parody. He's not being a parody. He's being himself, (laughs) but they're making it ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah, if this was one of your movies, It'd be some dude this would be the like subject Mike about. Myers. Yeah, it would be yeah. this dressed so, up like some ridiculous costume. Or so whatever. they've got this like briefing thing, and then he's like hiding out in this uh, vents or something while these BP uh, oil executives are having a meeting about destroying the environment. And everyone in this room, with the exception of Neilan and Hartman, everyone else is just Seagal stunt people. So like you turn on this the TV and you see the sketch and it's like you don't fucking recognize any of these people. Who are these yeah, it's like people? None of these are the cast members. And, the, and this scene, like it's just them talking about like an evil plan that's not. There's no jokes, and it's what three minutes longer maybe of just them doing that while Seagal sits in a vent listening. I was I was like my codes were tur- like curling. Just your toes were too. Yeah. Yeah, I can't yeah. talk either. I need my blood pressure medication. <laughs> 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 my toes were curling in, in cringe at this at the part where he's like trying to grill Phil Hartman's character. Yeah. And Hartman's just like responding back to him. He's like, What are you gonna do about it? Like, but it goes on, yeah, for like it a goes good two so minutes. Fucking Dude. long. And then and he the, waits then so he long like, to respond. The only like, th- yeah, it's it's that same slow pace. And yeah, the only like, thing resembling a joke is when he just gives like Seagal is supposed to be a pacifist. Um you know, or he won't he won't throw a punch or anything. And so like they they just all take turns slapping him in the face. And like, right, yes, it, that he everyone just... lines up and it, it like does a, a cut that's like a the next day. It cuts to like, yeah, the next so they've day been or doing something. it for 24 hours. Yeah. And that they're all still there and they've all just been slapping him in his face. And then he finally snaps and then he beats everyone up. Right, it was, I, all his stump people, if he I remem- beats them up. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I remember it being like, you're waiting for it to be something specific that that flips the switch it's nothing. but it's not he it's just not. does yeah and then the whole joke doesn't even make sense but the best part of the sketch is after he beats everyone up he turns to the camera and he goes this is what happens uh this is what happens when you ruin the environment right yeah they had this or, weird captain planet moment yeah it's like a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is what happens when you pollute the planet yeah that's that why was he said. you, you get a steven seagal movie yeah it's like this environmental thing <laughs> 
The more grease you put into the ocean, the slicker his ponytail gets. Yeah, and <laughs> he uses all that oil in his hair. Jesus. Um, but yeah, then they uh, then they put they have to put the end at the end of the sketch because otherwise the audience wouldn't know. When it was over, <laughs> they wouldn't know when it's over. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, and and that's pretty much it. That then he he signs off, and that you know when they do the SNL sign off, everyone's on stage and they're all like hugging and shaking hands. Hands. he does shake hands with like cast members and stuff but it it's all very formal and then like the camera show the last shot that kind of shows him in the back away from everybody and he's just kind of looking around just <laughs> have, like hands on hips like and, everyone's like, enjoying himself yeah yeah and so so give us a give us the little background tidbits about this episode oh my like God, dude. the the sketches that didn't make so it. that there's one in particular uh when i was uh looking this up and th- there's lots of interviews with um with snl cast members and writers at this time uh so al franken uh has a story a, a really good story about a sketch that uh seagal pitched uh when he was a writer on there and um he wanted to be a therapist um and this young lady comes to see him and uh he hypnotizes her and convinces her to have sex with him and okay <laughs> yeah he hypnotizes her and convinces this her aged that, really well about as well as mike myers this was bad when he com- when he suggested it and then oh, yeah man. He, and then like after that, they ha- and they do have sex, and then afterwards, he's like, he's like, I'll see you next week, and that would have been the sketch. And <laughs> isn't that so funny that Mike Myers' character that briefs him makes the cut for like that's okay, but this did. <laughs> well, this is straight up like yeah, fucking Jesus. rape. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Dude. Yeah, yeah, like, like, oh, you're gonna want to yeah. Oh yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah, whatever. But yeah, no, so. And now Franken's like, so you want us to put the worst thing that's ever been on television in this show? And then Seagal's just like, you don't like any of my ideas. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They None of us do. They suck. Uh, Yeah. So he's like, what's wrong with that? Yeah. How do you not understand? Well, I mean, you're Stan Seagal. I get how you don't understand because you missed the entire point of the fucking show, which is to be comical about what it is you do. You make fun of yourself when you're the guest host, right? When you're doing all these things that are related to like your movies and what people know you for, you know, the, the police scenes and the action movies and whatever, be ridiculous. Like make fun of the fact that you play this man that has so much machismo, he can, you know, do nothing other than be the calmest, coolest, slickest guy ever. Yeah, it's like you were saying earlier. It's like, it's just such a, it's a PR thing. It's like, if you were an actor in Hollywood, this would be a good opportunity to show you as a relatable human being. Yeah. But you, people usually person. get this when they got a movie coming out or something. Yeah. It's supposed to out. 
make you look more human. Like, oh, you're just an average person too. Like, it makes you right. likable. That's why you go on the Tonight Show and be like, yeah, I got three cats. <laughs> Their name's Ricky, Sticky, and Icky. Yeah, let's <laughs> play a game where I'm I throw so, an egg in I'm a so basketball I'm so happy goal. that you remembered the names of his kids. <laughs> but, I mean, look, that's, that's the whole point, dude. Like, go do the stupid late night thing. Just, just be a part of it. Laugh at yourself. But he can't. He can't for even a second from start to finish. This dude is nothing more than a monotone guy with a black blazer or button-up shirt. Just fuck, man. I mean, there's a lot of good Seagal stories that aren't even related to, you know, this, as you can imagine. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Which is why, like, this this episode is, like, don't get me wrong, like, it's very interesting. Yeah. Not super entertaining or, like, compelling or anything, but... It is in no way, shape, or form the best Yeah, like, there's so many... So many great episodes. Yeah, there's so many, like, excellent sketches and, like, heavy hitters, obviously. This is also, like, in a a, a time where it's, like, they're transitioning from the 80s, uh, 80s cast to the iconic 90s casts because you know yeah this is early very early for farley it's obviously very early for uh i mean some of them they were introduced in the beginning weren't even in the episode like yeah they were talking about david spade and like other there were a couple other people i think that were introduced in the they in might the opening with the cast they that, might have that been weren't the, even in the episode in the concert uh thing maybe sketch. i mean yeah if they were really it was forgettable hard. if they were you yeah. know it's not like right, they were yeah. featured in a lot of sketches yeah but um, yeah. So it's it, it was kind of at that weird time before it gets to like when people think of the '90s cast. Who do you think? Yeah, of, the really right? iconic cast. Yeah, with yeah, Adam Sandler, Sandler and, right? yeah, Sandler and Spade and Chris Farley in sketches together, and more than half the show. You know, like that was and yeah, that was the one thing that Adam Sandler did was the Weekend Update, and he wasn't the concert thing as like Axl Rose, I think that parody. Yeah, and that's like it. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was an interesting period. Yeah. Just a very weird episode when you have, especially like given the time period. Yeah. And man, he is, he is frustratingly bad to watch. It is. You don't like my jokes? <laughs> oh, fuck. Mike's here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like my jokes? Mike, what did you think about Steven uh, Seagal's I, episode of I SNL? love Under Siege. I remember wa- watching it in the back of my brother's car when I was a teenager. And mm-hmm. I would I would watch it in my mind because we didn't have any sort of portable television. But I would close my eyes and imagine how good a movie it must be and how how badass that ponytail looked. I wish I could grow one, but the hair left me at age 23. <laughs> right before SNL would come on, my brother and I, we'd, we'd, we'd put our heads inside paper bags and push them <laughs> real tight and hyperventilate ourselves to get a, a good a good high before the show would come on. I would, my I brother would, almost died doing that. I remember watching this SNL episode when it came out, and me and my brother were laying chins over hands with our feet kicked up behind us, wagging our wagging our little toes, and we were interlocking piggies. And he turned to me and he said, "Michael, Michael, look, it's Steven Seagal," and I said, "Wow, he looks so cool, and he was so handsome." 
I pushed two of the couch cushions together and imagined what it'd be like to be embraced by Steven Seagal with my old man's body. This was, mind you, 1996 <laughs> or seven. The years run together when you get as old as I am. I just remember holding the Nintendo gun and my brother with his night vision <laughs> goggles that came out of the cereal box. Those were my favorite times. When the episode aired, he was playing Super Mario Brothers and he handed me the second controller and he let me pretend like I was playing, but I was pushing the buttons and nothing was happening. Anyway, ice cream from the ice cream truck rolling by. Hello, it's me, Michael, and I'm wearing jorts again. Does anyone have a pair of shorts? with more pockets. He's <laughs> <laughs> old, oh, bald, God. stupid. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> Dummy. Uh, I yeah. love you, Mike. So uh, overall uh, thoughts on this episode and uh, Steven Seagal as a person? Please never make me watch anything else. We want to minute. pump you up. Fuck. That was good. That's so, that was really good. One, thank you. That's the one thing. I heard you were talking bad about me. Oh shit, he's here. What are you talking? What are you trying to say about me? Hold on, uh, is he going to deliver do, another we line? We could or? beat you up, yeah. You got the Zen thing going on, and this is like nothing. See, we ripped muscle boys, yeah. I don't need all of that. I just need a, a p- pinky. Oh shit. Okay, maybe there is something to this mind over matter thing you got going on, but what about muscles over matter? Yeah, you got muscles. Maybe you'll be all right. He was so bad. Is that the end of his line? I don't know what. I don't remember his that, word we, for word line. I think line. we just did half the skit, though. I yeah. wish it was the end <laughs> of it my life. It was much life. longer than that, though. I mean, we we compressed the skit into, you know, 30 That was really, that, that was all they needed, really. All right, excellent. And well, he, he was just hanging out. I really enjoyed covering this with you boys today. i don't know what was different today but i don't it, know so it just feels like it was on you know i yeah. feel like we all had a good time i feel like we kind of like grew closer as friends and i yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know this, what it is what it is about it i feel like we'll never get different. this magic again you know yeah i no. mean if, if we ever get another opportunity for it like we really got to capture this because it feels it just feels good to feel good it's the yeah. magic setup to be honest yeah yeah. yeah, I want I want to leave every podcast feeling like this. Like I yeah, feel like too. there's enough room on the table for certain things. Yeah, that we're around. You're right. Yeah, we'll, I feel we'll, like we'll, we've done. We'll talk, the, we'll talk about that. We've done the podcast <laughs> in like an hour less. You know. Yeah, I feel like it's more digestible. Yeah. Than it was before. Right. I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, we didn't is. have as many Blockbuster and Kmart it smells stories. smells a lot better in here, too. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's not as shiny, either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would like a lamp, but uh, other I'll than that. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stab you in the chest. All right. Well, Dalton, can we please not have quite so much sunlight in here and, and get just... Just a little lamp to put here on the ground in the corner because I, I really need. I don't this even need. Up. I don't want a large lamp. I just really a night light that goes in the socket would be enough for me. Yeah, spend the forty dollars to get a portable standing lamp. Then, fuck you, Mike. 
I had a baseball lamp in 1992 that I'm pretty fond of. I still have it. I can bring it with me. It was actually a set piece from the Sandlot. Do you remember the Sandlots? I never played baseball because my head was busy being the ball. (laughs) My head was too big on my shoulders and it would droop from side to side because I couldn't. My neck was too small to hold the weight. They made me play the dog. (laughs) Do you remember? (laughs) I can still bark like it though. Listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) That was really good. Oh, wait, hold on. I gotta lay down after that. (laughs) My blood pressure's acting (laughs) up. I'm sickies. (laughs) I gotta go. I gotta use the restroom. I'll be back in 15 minutes because of these diuretics. Oh, sorry. Before we start back, can I fill up my 17-gallon water jugs (laughs) before we get started? (laughs) You hear that, Mike? You fucking idiot. We love you, Mike. We miss you. I don't. I miss a man. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be thrilled when all four of us boys can get together and do another one of these. This is Soon, great. which I guess the next one will be when we're all away. We'll be on a way trip. We're going to be on a vacay. Yeah, we're going to be on, on a, a little field trip. Bo- a little boys trip. Yeah, a little field trip. We record like three or four of these things. You know, and- we, we should go into the outro. I'm going to change it. All right, change all it. All right, do it. All right, I'm going to change it. Escape to Captain D's, where one day a week kids eat free. Just buy a regular meal and get free kids meals. Choose from shrimp, fish. Mike, <laughs> I just want to, I just want to let you know. God, he's, yeah. he smells seductive and smart and handsome. I mean, I definitely love him, and I think he knows that. I love him. <laughs> Anything else you want to say to him? Just we love you, Mike. I, I love him. I, I love him. I, I love him. All right, so rolling for uh, the next episode, uh, our next movie is going to be... Next episode's movie is going to be She's All That, a romantic comedy. So I'm sure all of us sweet boys are going to love... Having a little watch, maybe yeah. painting our nails. Yeah, we should we should all watch this together, and we should have, get like you know cute in our pajama jammies. sets. Yeah, do each oh, hair while we there do we it. Go. I'm definitely blowing oh, I kisses. I like that. What, uh, I'm gonna be blowing a lot more than kisses. What music video we got coming up? Uh, our music video is Mambo Number no. Five by Lou Bega. Oh boy! Huh. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. All right, that's okay, cool. that's fun. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's All a choice. Right. And how All about right, our, our TV get, show? TV show. Here we go. The Adventures of Pete and Pete. That's All right, so, I'm excited sweet. about that. Yeah, I like yeah. that show a lot. That's gonna be great. It's uh, definitely one of the ones that I was excited. Very iconic to have on the list. Perfect '90s TV yeah. show to roll. Yeah. 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 Sweet. Good time. Hey, real quick, I just wanted to say for the uh, music, were you gonna do another parody song? I just want to make sure so that I can not be here. Yes. If you're going to do it. Every time from da, 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 now da, da, da. on forward. All right. <laughs> well, this is not here. <laughs> Just, I will write every song. Jesse's like, I'll write a song every, every fucking time. Every podcast. Every That's a new bit. God again. damn it. Don't think I won't write a Mambo number five parody because I will do it. And 
Is it? We'll do would, the best one I can think of. Would it be great if like every single parody Jesse writes has something to do with being unhygienic, stinky, and nasty? Let us be honest. That's all he really knows. <laughs> He's just like I'm just pulling for personal experience. They say yeah. write what you know. It's exactly. like inspiration. No, you, know. you don't get it. <laughs> Listeners, thanks for listening. If you want to say something bad about Mike, feel free to, whichever way you want to reach out to us. I'm sure we will have a Twitter or something by this point, or an Instagram or something, something soul-sucking. If you want to say something good about us, feel free to. Have a good week. Bye. So long. What? Is it is it afternoon yet? I remember listening to Ice Ice Baby in the back of my brother's car, and we were both licking on a couple of push pops. And I remember it was the year 1996, because that was the same day I got a Ninja Turtles hat. (laughs) I like the Ninja Turtles. Where am I? We'd right, sit then. there and turn on the sprinklers. Like in those days, about have the sprinklers, they wave, you know. So we <laughs> we lay there with our feet in the grass, and they'd get all wet while we eat the push pops. And we had a we had an old AM radio sitting there on the grass with us, <laughs> and that's when we uh, would play the vanilla ice the, the ice baby. And it, it was it so was, fun when the water would tickle our toes. We would giggle like children, enjoying a little ice ice baby. You know, in the video, he looks like he hopped out of a 7-Eleven cup. The snowman that played ice ice baby, we, play, we put it out in front of a Christmas tree. And I would play with it when my parents were arguing and there was violence in the house. Have you ever Where seen <laughs> Have you ever seen Terminator 2? This <laughs> <laughs> is really and I, we once tried to make our own size baby music video with our old camcorder. But you see, they were real heavy back in those days and it weighed about 15 pounds. And so I dropped it in the drainage ditch when we were trying to do the spray paint. So anyways, my brother started dancing and pop-locking and shoving like nice man. And I stood there and I said, uh, Jarvis, what are you doing? My hoop, my hoop and stick are broken and we can't make the music video. I don't even have a brother. I don't know who that was I was talking to. We have to cut all of this. <laughs> this is so funny. Get out of here. Uh.